When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. やるべきところは全てやりましたメンタルも鍛え,鍛え抜きましたしんどいことを繰り返し行ってきました2015年9月全日本の一員となりました秋山順に学ぶ Everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 56. And this week I'm very pleased to be joined by a first-time guest. Um, a man I actually met two over two years ago now. It's incredible it's been that long. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Joey Bay. Hello, Joey. Hey John, how you doing, man? Thanks for having hey. me on. Pretty good. You're very welcome. And of course, um, you know, I, I first met you two and a half years ago about on the the infamous or famous infamous, I don't know which one. The first <laughs> the first Alan Farrell um Purezu Voyage. I don't know what to call it, but an incredible trip, honestly. Yeah. A life changing trip for I'd I'd say both of us. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean that the, the the entire trip was just incredible because like if I didn't get really lucky in a casino in Foxwoods in in Connecticut, 
I would not have been on that trip. I forgot I just, that that was like you, you were you were following like the email chain with everybody included who was interested in going, and all of a sudden, like a month and a half out, you know, you're you send the message to the group saying, "Hey, I'm coming." Yeah, <laughs> the rest is history, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I like joined on the like Alan was tweeting about it, and I joined on the list like to be like, oh, I don't know if I can figure out a way to make it happen. And I went like, and this was the trip was supposed to be for like late March. And mm-hmm. I went to, I went, I had a trip planned already to go to Foxwoods with my, uh, with my girlfriend in January, I think maybe even like mid, mid to late January. And I just happened to like have a really good run of the craps table and won like, I don't know, like $1,200 or something. It was a lot of money. And at that point, the first thought that went through my mind as that trip was ending was like, well, I can go to Japan now. <laughs> it was like, don't have to worry about making this work. Now, if I lost, if, if it went the other direction, if I lost all my money, I, then I definitely would not have been able to go. Yeah, you'd be if like, I guess was, I'm never going to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I had like broken even, it would have been like, it would have been really tight, but maybe I could have made it work. But once I won all that money, it was like, okay, this could, this is like, a. I don't know. I'm, I'm agnostic, but I was like, maybe this is like a sign from some kind of higher power. Like, <laughs> yes, it's time for you to go. Just do it. Because I'd always wanted to go, obviously. You know, I'm a huge... Anyone who knows me knows I'm a fucking weeaboo. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just never... You know, I, either I could never find anyone to go with, or if I was going by myself, you know, no one else could afford it, or I couldn't afford it. It just... It never really worked out. And then when, you know, all you guys are going, and it's windfall... This unexpected financial windfall from the gambling gods came. It was like, well, now I have to go. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it was an incredible trip. I mean, you know, yeah, we, man, we we uh we had some times there, man. <laughs> Drinking at Torikizoku's and uh, and all the other two eighty yen places and uh, seeing a sh- uh, I forgot if we can curse on here. You right? can curse as much as you want. Yeah, I. Every we other had, word from we had a crap episode. ton of beer, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. And then you actually were the first person that uh, introduced me to Pachinko. Um, <laughs> I, still, I still don't understand the game at all. Like I even watched a documentary on it a couple weeks ago uh, from the Abroad in Japan uh, YouTube page. If you've ever followed that guy, it's pretty awesome stuff. If you're into Japanese culture, but um, yeah, I still don't get. I, I still don't get the game of Pachinko, but uh, it was fun watching. Watching freaking murder on uh, all those arcade <laughs> games too, man. Yeah, I mean, I was playing like, like I didn't, I don't know how much time I spent in real pachinko parts. I was playing like fake pachinko, like the in the arcade, yeah, in the, on the arcade, like in the arcades, not the pachinko parlors, because it's just so much cheaper if you yeah. want to just try it. Um, it's like a hundred yen, which is like you know a dollar to play instead of like a thousand yen, which is ten dollars. So, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in Japan. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I have a vivid memory of us uh, walking through Nakano Broadway, eating yeah. like weird colored ice cream and just walking through those stores and having a grand old day, man. It was it's actually pretty romantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were the only other person on that trip that like really wanted to see Tokyo, not to put anybody else down. But I, I mean, everybody else was there, you know, got, you know, God bless Alan. And all, like they're just there for wrestling. Yeah, and you had taken like you know I, I wouldn't classify you as like a weeb, but you'd taken like Japanese like classes in college and stuff, and you were more yeah. into the the cultural side of things. So yeah, you you wandered around me a lot more. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we did. Me, you, and Matt, and uh, Jamie would kind of 
pop in every once in a while and um jamie jamie, jamie went to yeah he runs the dramatic det site he went to me he was the only one who went with me to the baseball game which was hilarious because he's an irishman you'd think <laughs> you wouldn't think he'd be going to the baseball but yeah he was the only one who wanted to go to uh the tokyo dome to see the yomori giants i greatly appreciate him for that because seeing seeing a japanese baseball game was my dream since i was like you know nine years old probably yeah. so yeah, it's still it's still on the list of things to do, and I'm on round three coming up here in a, a week, and I'm I don't think I'll make it, but I I I have it on the list. I kind of like want to see a carp game now because of the whole Lij uh, yeah kind of uh, alliance. Say, but uh, yeah, it's um I, I they look so fun, man. And even uh, Alan's wife Sarah went to a game. Did she go with you guys, or I, I know she went? No, to a I think she went to a different one. I think yeah, I, it was just me. It was just, or she was there. They had different seats or something. But they have me and Jamie were the only two there sitting there. So, I mean, it was so funny when they in the Tokyo Dome match. I'm pretty sure if they did not brawl down our, you know, the the Shiro Takagi and uh, Minoru Suzuki empty yeah. dome match. If they didn't brawl down our section, they brawled down like the section right next to it. That's crazy because like, they were all the way around that concourse. I could see the way. Like they were looking at the outfield when they were in the lower ball. I was like, "Wow, that's like almost exactly where we were sitting, if not exactly where we were sitting." So it was really funny. That is but, cool. That's funny, man. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So you've been on. We both been on one on one more trip since then. Last year you went to Dominion, and this year, last year I went to the G One. Um, you're about to leave. You're about to walk right into the heat wave. Yeah. Do the G One this year. You you're leaving on. It's Tuesday. You're recording this. You're leaving on Saturday. Correct. So. Yes, yeah. I'll 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 uh, do my best to be a survivor and uh, <laughs> brave the heat and not die of a uh, heat stroke or dehydration. Um, it's uh, luckily St. Louis, Missouri weather is uh, pretty hot and humid as well. So I've been uh, training and hydrating as much as I can. But yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to see a bunch of wrestling along with uh, the last four nights of the G1. So I'm wow. oh, so you're oh, so you're going to Yokohama too. I am. Yeah, that's that's awesome. the LIJ man. battle, man. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. I didn't get to Yokohama last time when I went. I only made it to uh, the last three nights of Sumo Hall. But yeah, so you're going. It's like you, Mort, and like a bunch of other people, right? Yeah, it's me, Mort VH, uh, Jonas is coming again. Oh, um, awesome. And Matt. Um, and then we're going to obviously meet up with Joe. Oh, Shining Wizard Matt, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, like jumped, he's like dropped off the universe or Twitter and like VOW and stuff, so. Yeah, I still um I still keep in contact with them and we're uh we're uh looking forward to it, man. It's it's I think uh, the uh the haters on Twitter kind of got to him. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. There's yeah, plenty of there's plenty of days. Get off of there, man. <laughs> there's plenty of days where I want to delete it too, so you know. I hear you. Um yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you off air about that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so like you're doing you're doing what I did last year. I'm gonna do what you did last year next year. Or I'm not I'm not hundred percent yet. I'm like I mean I'm hundred percent I'm going next year. Yeah. But I, I originally I was thinking I mean my original plan was like Sakura Genesis time again because you know that, that was, was so perfect. Be- was so beautiful and everything. But MSG made me rethink that because like it's a it's gonna be the weekend after Sakura Genesis, so like Maybe Sakura Genesis won't be that big of a show, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, my girlfriend, who probably watched it coming next year, she didn't really want to go that early in the year anyway. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I've I haven't seen Dominion yet, and you know, you've I heard you and other people have talked up how great Osaka Joe Hall is. Uh, 
Joe Abraham on the Super J cast. Mm-hmm. He went to he went to Dominion this year and he said the same thing. It's a amazing building. So I was like, okay, I can see the best Super Junior final and Dominion in like the span of a week, you know, plus whatever else I can get to. But yeah. Absolutely, man. And then if if you like you do Tokyo for the first week and then end cap that week with the best of the Super Juniors because it usually falls on um well I guess yeah, it's like a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Um, hopefully the year, it might have it might have been a it might have been a Monday this year, but it's still like it's the week before the G, the Dominion. So right, so yeah, end cap your week in Tokyo, and then take the bullet train and spend a week down in Kansai or wherever, and do your thing down there, and hopefully see a show at a uh, KBS Hall. Yeah, that's a uh, bucket list menu. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. I know that's the one. That's the one that looks like a church, basically. Yeah, yeah. But Dragon Gate is really the only company that well, they don't even have TV that airs anymore. Like from that venue anymore? I, I don't think. Although well, I think the Dragon Gate, network, yeah, I think with the Dragon Gate Network they do air stuff from there now. Although I'm so checked out on Dragon Gate this year, I don't even know. But yeah, me too. And I feel bad because I want to be that guy that's like, no, stick with it. Like it's still good. <laughs> but I hear the world was really good. Not to yeah, get- I haven't. I the, the the problem is the moment I finally like I've been in such G one mode. The moment I remember to watch, it's like, oh yeah, it's off the network now. Yep. <laughs> for a month. So, like, in a month, maybe I'll sign up and watch World. But <laughs> so stupid. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the the trips and stuff. It's, uh, that, you know, I mean, you're another one who can tell. I, I always tell everybody that, like, if you, you know, first of all, I know not everybody has the financial means. But if you have the financial means and you love this stuff, you have to fucking go. Like, you need to make it happen. And I'm sure you can say, you can echo the same thing. It's just like nothing else yeah it's um there's not the deal uh a line from i I believe this is one from damon mcdonald on the super j cast as well um but there's life before japan and there's life after japan and life after japan mainly consists of trying to go back (laughs) to japan i know i mean it's like we sound like i'm sure we sound like weebs to everybody and i don't really care it's it's one of those things where i built it up my head for so long before I went, like half of me was like, maybe it's gonna suck. Maybe it's just gonna be like really, um, you know, let a letdown. But it's just not. Like I can't. I mean, and, and you know, you know, I've heard from people. I know people who live there that like, you know, will tell you like it's visiting and living there are two different things. And you know, there's still issues. It's not like I don't want to act like it's a perfect utopia or anything. Yeah. But like to visit, it's a fucking amazing place. And, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and like the. You know, I mean, in general, you know, we just happen to love this this wrestling thing, and that's why we, you know, one of the reasons why we keep going back to Japan. But I think in general, just like getting out of, you know, the West and into like another, like another culture on the other side of the world, like it's a good thing. You know, yeah. I mean, it's something like you come out with a different kind of uh, mindset, just a spe- like just respectful, like mindfulness of other people. Um, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like you, you go over there and there's n- no trash cans, but there's also <laughs> no trash anywhere. It's like yeah. oh, these people are mindful of, of what they're putting out into the world and what they do with their, their waste. And they're, they're, they'll walk you to your, your train stop. If, if, <laughs> if you're lost, if you ask them not even politely, they'll, they'll see that you're a foreigner and they'll, they'll help you as much as they can. And that's uh, something that the rest of the world kind of needs as isolationist as, Japan can be at times, yeah. especially with that Airbnb <laughs> law. That that 
put a damper on our trip this this round. But uh, oh, really? So I, was, yeah, I I meant to ask you about that. So that it did hurt your plans if your thing got canceled. Um, I actually we were holding off because I had heard about the the law going into effect. I forget the name of the law, but um, yeah. So um, it went from like eighty thousand listings on Airbnb to like eight hundred total, like in all of Japan or something like that. Don't hold me to those numbers, but it was something like crazy like that. And, um, so last, like within the last like month and a half, we all were booking our hotels and I found a really, really awesome, uh, like private room hostel in Ikebukuro, which is like a really cool area in Tokyo. That's probably one of my favorite kind of, yeah, I love Ikebukuro too. Yeah. It's just, they got sunshine city and a bunch of other cool stuff around that area. Um, it's a little bit tamer, but, yeah. um, yeah, so I found a, a like a little, little lodging place there that just opened up uh, within the year. So it's new, it's clean. Um, if you're going to Tokyo, I'll ask me about it on Twitter, and I'll send you a link to the place. Um, and then the other guys are doing hotels, but I was like living by like visiting via Airbnb, um, just because one, it's cool because you get to like live in the neighborhood and like yeah. be amongst like Japanese people in their natural habitat. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. I mean, Tokyo is awesome, regardless of if you have to pay a couple extra hundred bucks to to stay somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, I got ten days at this this little uh, this lodging place where you get a um, your own room and everything for like three hundred and fifty bucks for ten oh, days. Yeah, so funny, yeah. <laughs> so if, even if it sucks, it's like well, I only paid three hundred and fifty dollars for it. So <laughs> yeah, um, the. So I, when I was looking at Airbnb for like Tokyo listings, there was still a good number I look like, but maybe I'm just like, yeah, they're they're like in weird areas, kind of far out, maybe by the airport and stuff. But yeah. I may just be looking. I, I admittedly I was looking at the time frame that I'm going, which is I see. Yeah, so yeah. Um, maybe maybe more than we're coming back online now. Yeah, I hope so, man, because that was that has to have brought like so much tourism and revenue that they hadn't seen previously like people just stay in an airbnb it can't be that harmful yeah <laughs> their culture and and everything but i don't know so uh, we'll re- regardless, regardless like john said go to japan if you can because it's amazing <laughs> the the first time i stayed there um it was you know the, not the first time the second time we got like a really great deal on the airbnb for like you know, five people in in one room that like it was like a thousand dollars for ten days, which you know obviously breaks down like two hundred dollars each. So, yeah. I mean, I really hope we can find something like that again next year. But I mean, it's cool. I, you can still stay in nice hotels too, and you just end up like splitting it. You know? Yeah, they have. I mean, they have tons of like economy chains, like APA. Um, that's the only one that comes to mind. So, <laughs> uh, but there's, there's tons of those, like almost in every small neighborhood of, of like central Tokyo, there's an APA hotel. So, um, and those are usually reasonably priced. And then, I don't know, it's uh it's still not terribly expensive. Yeah. The, the expensive part is really getting there. Honestly, yeah. like the, the flights are very expensive and they've, they've gone up. It feels like, cause I, I haven't been able to find anything. Um, like, I look at the flights a lot, but, like, my my flight from New York 
was like nonstop for like about less than eleven hundred dollars, and I haven't been able to find anything close to that, no matter like what time of year I look. So yeah, I I, the first time I went with with uh, the whole big group, uh, I paid like thirteen hundred, and then last year I paid like fourteen or fifteen hundred, and then this year it's like upwards like fifteen fifty. So it seems to be continuing to go up. But like you said, I'm I'm going at different times of the year yeah. and i'm sure there's i think it's like early spring and like late september early october like so right at the beginning of of like autumn those are like the prime times to go for like a multitude of reasons i think airfare's cheaper and um obviously all the the trees and everything just looks beautiful yeah. <laughs> so. the problem is like if you want to go for like autumn like autumn season and like the the autumn leaves and stuff it's there's like no good wrestling that time of year or like yeah. the new japan show because it's like their autumn leave period is like early november yeah late october early november but i thought you were talking about my favorite uh, emo band of the early 2000s oh. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so let's get into the actual shows because we've probably annoyed enough people with Japan. yeah that was such a bad joke that john's like all right let's talk about it <laughs> <laughs> we can start with all japan um so the all japan show was the summer action series july 29th in ilion arena osaka the first stadium it did uh acclaimed 2458 fans I'm not sure how big or small of a success that is. Um, I haven't seen a lot of analysis, like from the business side of, um, you know, how how that was doing. It's it's very weird to say because, like, you know, promotions out other than New Japan really do struggle to draw big crowds outside of Tokyo, especially. And you know, like the even the Osaka show that um, where Bodyguard challenged Kento. It was in the smaller Idion Arena, which was a you know a fantastic match, a very famous match, I think from a, from early, I think early twenty seventeen. That only did like nine hundred fans, mm-hmm. which you know isn't really that well remembered. But you know this here we get you know maybe doing almost twenty five hundred. I feel like maybe they would have wanted a little bit more than that to call it a big success. I feel like maybe they were shooting for like three thousand or more. But I don't. It seems like right in that right in that area where it's hard to call it like a success or a failure, just kind of, you know, they did okay. Yeah. I, it's almost like, do you, do you run the smaller Edion arena at that point and sell it out? Yeah. Do you move up to the bigger? What does uh, the smaller one hold? Like eight, like 15 or something. I don't know. Cause like when drag gate runs there, <laughs> the place <laughs> looks completely packed and then their numbers inflated, but I, I would have to say like at least 1200 people can fit in that place. I mean, it's yeah. just a big gym, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I can't find like stats on how many, but yeah, you think like somewhere in the, the 12 to 1500 range probably. Yeah. But, but yeah, maybe you are better off selling it out, but I don't know. Like I've always heard like there's a, there's still a prestige that comes from running the big building. Sure. If you don't do well, like that's why big Japan will run like, Sumo Hall, even though they only draw like three thousand people to it most years. Yeah, so, but then you but, get that cool stage that that they they bring out, which is a uh, them and DDT have like the coolest Sumo Hall stages because they actually they they're not going to sell the whole place all, out, so they curtain it off and do a cool big elaborate set, which I'm a big 
big fan of. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah. So not a not a success, not a failure. Probably just like somewhere in between. I would think. Yeah. Um. So the show opened with a six man tag. Uh, we had Omori, uh, Mariyama, and oh, an eight man tag. I'm sorry, Omori, Mariyama, Shoichi Uchida, and Toru. Uh, don't really know the last two, but Uchida's from Dove, and Toru was from Dalton Bury. Uh, they were taking on Yoshitatsu, Ultimo Dragon. Um, another guy I don't really know, Hiroki Moria. So he's from J2000. I don't know what that is. And Carbell Ito, who is a like a sponsor wrestler, I think. Like he's he's using a gimmick based on one of their sponsors, and that's why like, they're all throwing like bags of chips into the crowd. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's a very bizarre start to the show. It's like you just turn it on, everybody's like parading on the ring, throwing chips into the crowd. But that's a way to start a show, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was fine. I don't know. It was, uh, wasn't really much of anything. Only went about 9-12. Uh, Yoshitatsu got the win on Mariyama. But um, the, the big takeaway I took from it was Yoshitatsu here in late 2018 still has the Bullet Club logo on his pants with a big X over it. <laughs> like, that, it begs a lot of questions. Like, you know... Where, where does Yoshitatsu side like? How does he feel about the the Bullet Club split? Like, what is what are his thoughts now? Does he view Bullet Club OG and Bullet Club Elite as equal enemies? Uh, does he is he willing to form an alliance with one half of the Bullet Club to take out the other? <laughs> a lot of a lot of big questions for Yoshi for the Bullet so, Club Hunter. So, if you go back to where his feud with Bullet Club started, it was when AJ broke his neck. And I saw recently, like posted on Twitter or YouTube, that AJ's siding with the OG Bullet Club. Oh. So would he side with uh, with Kenny and uh, the Bucks and the Elite and all those, and Yujiro and all those guys then? Or? I guess so, maybe. I guess he or, was siding with the Elite. Why the fuck is AJ siding with the OGs? He's not OG. <laughs> I have no idea. I saw it just like in passing, but... Uh, yeah, like I, I, under, I understand for for Anderson and, and then I guess Gallows because he's with Anderson and obviously for fucking Devitt. But why is AJ like yeah? But OG, you came like a year late, brother. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I guess okay. Kenny. I guess Kenny kicked them out. So I guess that is. That also makes sense. Yeah. But, so I think we figured it out. Yeah, there you so go. <laughs> his beef is with OG BC. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So this was all right. But then a much better eight-man tag was the Road to Junior Tag Battle Glory eight-man tag. Yes. Um, so all eight participants are teammates in the – are teams in the Junior Tag Battle Glory tournament that's about to start, if it hasn't already. Um, on one team, you have Ajushi Oyoki and Hikaru Sato, who are our team, along with Masaki Mochizuki and Shun Skywalker, a team who will be guest-starring from Dragon Gate. Shun, I, again, I have, not, I have not watched Dragon Gate all year. I, I don't remember if that was on the – if we talked about that on, on or off the air, but yeah, I, haven't I, watched Dragon, <laughs> I haven't watched Dragon Gate all year. But uh, Mochizuki and Sh- so I, I, I wasn't like prepared for Shun's uh, new outfit, but it looks a lot better um, than that goofball outfit he was using before. But they were taking on the team of uh, Koji Iwamoto and Tajiri, who are our team, and Yohei Nakajima and Black Tiger Seven, who are our team. So Yohei Nakajima has like turned evil on us or something, but. Yeah, he's, like, he's like uh he's got the face paint and the frizzied hair and he's uh uncooperative, but 
He's still not intimidating in the slightest. <laughs> I think, like they're, they're, the gimmick is played for laughs. Like basically, yeah. he tries to look all crazy and intimidating, and Black Tiger just like slaps him. Get out of him! <laughs> slaps his own partner around. It's, it, it actually is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty fun eight man tag. I really wanted to see Mochizuki and Tajiri face off for like the old ass kickers face off, and they they did it right right away. Yeah, they just shook hands and kind of <laughs> rolled around, right? Yeah, but they they at least like they they traded some kicks. It was fun. Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought uh, just adding Mochizuki and like Skywalker especially like I, they just stick out so much in that roster because you see all the all Japan guys so so often that I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do on this tour. Um, Skywalker, like from the last time I saw him, which can't be that long ago, I admittedly don't watch as much dragon gate like we were talking about off air as i as i think the rest of pro wrestling fans <laughs> lately but um yeah he's just so much more polished than than uh than he was last time i saw him he's he's really really good yeah um and I, you know i really like the all japan juniors in general so i'm excited to see them mix it up with oh, so you're uh, one of the people that you're you're an all japan junior apologist then yes if you listen to i guess like the flagship where they they always bury the altar fans. Yeah. I'm like Joe no. hates them, man. <laughs> I don't. I, I love. I, I have. A, I love Aoki. I love a Karasato. I love Iwamoto. I love Iwamoto. Yeah. Iwamoto has like he has the potential to be like one of the biggest junior stars in Japan. I think. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and I like I like Tajiri, even though I know he's you know not everybody's cup of tea right now. I've always had a soft spot for Nakajima. I enjoy him as like a dipshit. Yeah. And, you know, no sour is no sour, but you know, there's other guys too. I mean, like, Takeda's going to be in this, you know? Takeda's awesome. Yeah. So, like, and he, he's, he was in this last year too. So, can't say he's an All Japan Junior, but he's like All Japan Junior adjacent, I guess. Yeah. Well, was, a, was it like two years ago? He, I forget who it was with or who it was against, but he had a really good junior title match at Cork at one of the Corkins. I think it was like two years ago, maybe right yeah. after. Yeah. But was it was it with Hikaru Sato? Possibly, I know it was a Corkin, but like, yeah, let me look. He this went out there and like wrestled, and it was so cool to see because like obviously he's usually slitting people's like wrists and stuff. <laughs> I mean, he he can fucking like mat wrestle. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but he could do it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up because I'm really curious. So let's see. It would have been yeah, twenty six. It would have been twenty sixteen. Yeah, I think so. Let's see. Because I can, you can look up all of them on Cage Match, basically. Yeah. So he's a he's a scary dude, man. I uh, I admittedly want to get a, a a mark pick with him though. <laughs> He'll probably just like stare at me and be like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> uh, oh, oh no, it was with Aoki. Okay. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. Oh, so it was the it was the same show as uh, Kento Miyahara and Daisuke. Yeah, that awesome triple crown match. Aoki and Takeda, seventeen oh six. Yeah, I remember that being really good too. Now, but yeah, I, t- I, I don't know why I thought Hikaru Sato. Oh, Hikaru Sato won the title like right after that. That's why, because ah. he beat he beat Aoki the next month in June nineteenth, and then that was his that was his reign. Well, not a big reign because then Soma Takao beat him like two months later. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, you know I like a lot of these guys. I am I am a All Japan Junior defender. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this match. Like Mochizuki and Akaru Sato at one at one point like teamed up to kick the shit out of Yohei Nakajima. That was really fun. Uh Shun did like that crazy dive. 
Oh, I, yeah, he had a beautiful moonsault. Yeah, the dive yeah. was incredible. And he, didn't he land on his feet, too? Just Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The moonsault to the floor was – the dive I'm thinking of was, like, he – oh, God. I didn't describe it well enough on my Twitter. It was, like, it was like some kind of triple jump, I think. But the moonsault to the floor didn't look quite as good because it, it looked beautiful on his part. Yeah, and he landed on his feet, but he did not make any contact. Yeah, he didn't hit anybody. <laughs> on, they just had to all kind of like fall down, yeah. as if they were hit by like a mysterious force. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Iromoto tapped out Aoki, which is really cool because obviously he can go for the junior title again, which would be you know that they had a really good match last time. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that was cool. Not as cool. Joe Doring against uh, Gianni Valletta. In my mind, just the Malta dude. Uh, just, just like a slow and boring big man match. Wasn't really that interesting. Yeah. Doran pinned him in seven minutes for the Revolution Bomb. Do you think they're just in a holding pattern with Joe at this point? Just I guess so. Like I mean, you could do Zeus and Doran again now. I assume that's yeah. what they're going to do. Because they have an awesome match in January where Joe Joe retained it. Yep. Yeah, that, um, um, yeah, that match was awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this Gianni Valletta guy? Uh... <laughs> you, you can hear the commentators talking, like talking up like Bruiser Brody and stuff. And I guess like he has long hair and a, a big bushy beard. But besides that, I don't think he resembles Bruiser Brody in the slightest. And uh, he, he obviously he, doesn't work like him. He's bringing the chain out, isn't he? Like he's, they're trying to copy it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, don't know. I wouldn't disagree with you that he's not Bruiser Brody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then we had match four, which was uh, basically a sweeper, sweeper versus a violence giant and friend. Um, you had Suwama and Shuji Shikawa teaming up with Billy King Kid. He's still kicking around. I first saw Billy King Kid in Ring of Honor in like 2004 at, like, at the Rexplex in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And 14 years later, he's still kicking around. Yeah. Um, that's, so, okay. So Billy King Kid is like an Osaka, like. Osaka Fro, yeah. Yeah, he's an Osaka wrestler. Um, I didn't know this until last year when I went to Osaka for the first time that, like, the Billiken, the the actual, like, it's like some type of, like, what, I would only know it because my wife works at a local university here in St. Louis, uh, St. Louis University, and their, their uh, actual uh, mascot is a Billiken. Oh. So I am... Under the assumption that nobody else has probably been brought up before, but I think his name to Westerners has been butchered, and I think he is actually the Billiken kid because his mask kind of looks like a Billiken. Um, I might be wrong, but you might be right. But I feel like I've heard the Japanese people say Billy Ken. Well, phonetically, with with uh, Katakana or. I guess even Hiragana, it would it would sound like that. I see. Like with that e like sound, it would just instead of Billiken, it would be Bidikin. But yeah, I'm just going off on a tangent, and I this is the first <laughs> time I've ever had the chance to actually divulge this. But hopefully, somebody takes that and like looks it up and researches it and give All us. Right. Some I didn't know you got married, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's you, a, were, you guys were like I don't even know if you were engaged the first time when we met. No, we weren't because I I proposed that October. But yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, now we're married and um, <laughs> we're getting we're getting trouble from all of our friends because uh, uh, she just went to Iceland uh, with her pal, and then I'm going to Japan again with a bunch of my pals. And people are like, 
So you get married and then you go on separate trips. <laughs> <laughs> you went with you last year, right? What's that? You went with you last year, right? Yes, and then we went on our honeymoon, and then 2019 is uh, is uh, couples trips only year. So <laughs> All right. we're gonna, gonna do some some out. So you gonna do couples trip to Japan? Um, probably in 2020. Oh, do okay. like, the, like the dome, and then. Uh, oh yeah, we did. We talked about that off air. What am I talking about? Yeah, and then maybe okay. like Hiroshima or something. See see some other parts of the country. Not so much wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then match number five, this is, oh no, we, we're still on match four. We just got on that tangent about Billy Ken Kid. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So they beat the team of Sweeper, which is, I don't know if I like that name yet. It's still very goofy. Yeah. But Jake Lee, Dylan James, and Keiichi Sato. Uh, Shuji Takawa pinned Dylan James in 1106 with a Fire Thunder Bomb. Um, what do you think about the Jake Lee pushes he got back? Because... To me, it's been very weird. Like, I thought they were building up for Kento, and that that's clearly not happening now, unless yeah. Kento's going to win it back from Zeus very quickly. But but I'm not sure if I like the... It feels like they stalled with him when they, they had a lot of moment, a lot of momentum when he first came back. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I They gave him, like, the new outfit and everything, the green. I don't know if that's, like, an ode to Misawa, but uh doesn't really do anything else very Misawa-esque, but... I I don't know. I I think they'll eventually get there, but I don't think they want to rush him into that position just yet. I mm. think and it almost not to spoil the main event, but like I I just don't think Zeus is like a a long term type of champion for all Japan at this point. I feel yeah, like fair. I think I mean, that would if if they keep it on him, I think it was like an ode to like another Osaka pro dude making it up or and uh, like winning the title in Osaka, and then he'll lose it at the next Corkin or something. <laughs> but I think maybe a little bit longer than that, but maybe not that much longer. I, and I couldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Jake beats him. I guess. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a possibility. And then he didn't have to beat Kento, and Kento can and him can feud over it or or something. I don't know, but I, I do think he has that that main event quality. He has that aura of him of like that that main event style all Japan. Yeah. I totally agree. He's huge. Uh, like he's he's like one of those guys that like you look at him on TV and he doesn't look like that impressive, but then like you get into the the thickness of the match and his size kind of overtakes you at that point. Or seeing him in person, obviously, but he's just he's a big dude. Like he's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so now we get into the part of the card where you you unfortunately did not see the top three matches. So yeah. I'll try to go quickly through these. Um, first of all, the the Asia heavyweight title match with Ryuji Sai defending against the bodyguard. Um, I was pretty disappointed in the crowd that they didn't make a lot of noise early on, especially for their native son, the bodyguard. But <laughs> I just think maybe this Asia title really isn't over yet. Um, it just kind of Ryuji Sai just kind of showed up with it, you know, and it's just like I'm not sure if the belt really means a lot to anybody there. So that might have been a big problem. Sure. But I mean, the match was also kind of boring. Um, but you know, Bodyguard is very—he's a very likable wrestler. So even when he's having a, you know, boring twenty-minute match, at least can entertain myself just watching him like do stuff. Like at one point, he—he had—he had like um, Ryuji Sai in his chin lock, and he like starts bobbing himself like up and down, like he's 
moving to this imaginary song that only he can hear. And it's very, <laughs> it's very adorable. Um, like once bodyguard started throwing a lot of lariats and kicks like a madman, it kind of picked up from there. Um, but then there's also like a really bad spot where Yuji Sai took a long time to get up and hit this like rope assisted kick he does on the bodyguard while bodyguard was on the top rope. So bodyguard kind of had to like sit there for a long time, like he was a movie, like like Ryuji Sai turned into a movie monster. And <laughs> bodyguard was afraid to to go after him. It was very uh, it was very awkward. Very, very <laughs> awkward, very bad. Um, but then the bodyguard champs did did pick up from there. Uh, he almost dropped him on his power slam thing. He's pressed power slam thing, but whatever. He didn't drop him, and he got the pin. <laughs> it was it was a not a great match, but happy for the bodyguard to win this weird Asia title. So um, then the semi main was for the all Asia tag titles: Junakiyama and Yuji Nagata defending against Mayo and Nomura and Yuma Ayaugi. Um Ayaugi got the pin in twenty two oh two with the Rockstar Buster on Junakiyama. Um, this was quite a bit better. Um, I really enjoyed Yuji Nagata just kicking ass in this, uh, making it clear again that he's, you know, he'd be better in the G1 than like at least half the people in there in the fucking G1 this year. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there was like a really cool spot where Yuma no sold a superplex and hit Jun again with his jumping knee, only for June basically to go like, you know, you call that jumping knee, motherfucker. This is a jumping knee. And it was like a really cool spot. Um, but then right after that, they just turned the tables on Jude and like double teamed him relentlessly and got the pen. But yeah, I thought this was like a four star match. I thought that was really awesome. So, right on. Yeah, I was, yeah. like you said, I haven't seen the last uh, three matches on the show, but that was one I was, I've slated and I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to a lot. So I'm, uh, I'm excited it ended up being good. I love Aoyagi and Nomura. That tag team is, uh, they're, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. As are uh, obviously June and Nagata, the dads. Like, <laughs> before we get to the main event, by the way, I just remembered a story that we should have told when we were talking about Atsushi Oyaki. Do you remember what happened like the first night we were in Japan? First, it, who in reference to who? Into uh, Aoki. Oh, Aoki. Yeah. Do you know me? <laughs> you <laughs> how, like, how do you know me? <laughs> <laughs> you like? We were like outside of. Uh, we, we were staying right in the by the bridge. You guys were saying, yeah. Yeah, my Shudobashi's like right by Corican Hall. And I don't know if he lives around there or what, but like he was walking right outside the train station in Shudobashi. And you like recognized him and went up to him and asked for like a photo or something. And he was like shocked that you knew where he was. Like he is not used to being like recognized by foreigners, I guess. Yeah. So. It, was, uh, it was pretty cool. The other, uh, the other ones were kind of like as, as you would expect after going to a show at Cork and the wrestlers will be around that area yeah. immediately after. So we also ran into like Shingo and Tozawa came and ate dinner with us at Friday. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. But nope. yeah, that, that uh, Aoki out in the, the wild kind of take catching them off guard was, was really cool. <laughs> we, the weird thing is I didn't really run into that many um, wrestlers on my second trip. Um, the, the only people I really saw were like the young bucks and, Maybe, like, I don't even know who the fuck else. A couple other foreigners, but not... And maybe, like... I'm trying to think who the fuck was on that tour. Did maybe you see... Uh, at at uh, the G1, who, who'd you see in the crowd? Didn't you see... Oh, uh, yeah, Asuka. That's Asuka. right. 
Yeah, not the Oscar, not not the Oscar from WWE because that that confused me <laughs> all the time too. I I'm just so because I had just seen her at YMZ, so like in my head she was the only Oscar, and I was just like I saw Oscar and somebody I think Tower Wrist who's been on the show before replied like how'd she get all the way there and then go back to NXT the next day or whatever. And I was like oh no, sorry, all caps Oscar the, <laughs> the one who wrestles in a. Uh, in wave and a lot of other places now, but yeah, I thought I saw her. I'm not even hundred percent sure, but I thought I saw her coming out of the building uh, for the G1 finals. I didn't yeah. try to introduce myself or anything because I was like, you know, she's a very pretty girl. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's very intimidating. It's nerve. Yeah. You get nervous, man. It's yeah. uh... um, but, and plus like, you know, if you're wrong, it's like Asuka. And she's like, who? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Non-disco. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. So, just be a crazy foreigner screaming at some, <laughs> some non-Oscar person. Yeah, that's that's why they took Airbnb away, man. <laughs> too many, too many white folks looking for uh, for uh, Japanese wrestlers at Japanese wrestling shows. <laughs> but yeah, the second trip I just didn't run into nearly as many. But, yeah, me neither. Yeah, but uh, so the main event of this show, the Triple Crown title match, Kento Mihara and Zeus. Zeus won in 29.36 with a jackhammer. Um, so I saw very different reviews on this. I saw like as low as like three and a half. Um, I saw as high, even some people went even higher than I did, and I went pretty high by the end. But I just thought this was awesome. Um, you know, it started out pretty well, like, you know, Kento and Zeus doing the, the clean break thing, and Zeus, like, I thought it was a great moment where, where Kento gives him the clean break, and Zeus is like, I don't give a shit that you just gave me a clean break. Here, eat this chop. Um, and then, like, you know, Zeus did, like, an awesome plancha. And then, like, from there, it went into, you know, a little bit of a lull. But when we get to, like, the part where they're, like, no-selling multiple Germans, it, it was really cool. And, you know, they, they just kind of get into, like, a... Like, Kento starts getting frustrated that he can't put Zeus away this time. He just starts losing it and just, like, beating and stomping Zeus's head in while he was down. And the crowd just... The crowd had, the crowd had been cheering Zeus without really booing Kento much at all before that. But they really started booing Kento here, which, you know, was intended. So, you know, the way he was stomping him when he was down. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. Um, and then Zeus did, like, this awesome lariat where he just, like, you know, fell down himself. Um, he had a jackhammer, which got a near fall. Um, Zeus, you know, he kicked out a blackout knee at one when Kento, like, tried to make his comeback, but that, you know, he basically, he tried to fire up and then just collapsed. Um, you know, Kento's knee strikes actually were putting Zeus down, which was nice after I just watched Kenny Omega and Sonata (laughs) (laughs) not being very effective. Um, but then the end of that was really perfect, where Zeus, you know, he explodes out of Kento's capture German, like, he just, like, you know, throws his hands away. He hits his high kick, which is almost like you could look at that as like a tribute to the bodyguard. Um, he, you know, Kento counters with like one last desperation knee. Zeus just basically count like shrugs it off, counters another knee, and just destroys it with two lariats. That doesn't get the pin. He hits another jackhammer, and that gets the pin. So I went four and a half on this. I thought it was really, really good. Um, you know, it was almost a 30-minute match that did not feel like a 30-minute match to me, even though there was, like, a little bit of a lull in the middle. And I thought the, the the last 10 minutes were just so fucking good that, you know, it put it over the top to me as, like, a really, really awesome match. So, and and seeing Zeus finally win the title, you know, after all these years now, 
you know, dating all the way back to the, the early 2016 match with Kento when, you know, Aki Bono got hurt in that, I think it was Aki Bono, got hurt in that freak injury when he was Triple Crown champion. And mm-hmm. they had that, they had that rush decision match in front of like, I don't know, like 700 people. Yeah. It, was, like, it, it looked really empty. Yeah. And here they are, you know, in front of 2,500 in Osaka and he finally gets the win back and wins the title. I just thought it was great. And obviously an awesome moment. Uh, an awesome match as well. Well, right on. I'm looking forward to those those last three matches, man. I think I'm going to save them for my my uh, one of my plane rides uh, to Tokyo. So <laughs> I've yeah. got the whole second half to kind of look forward to. But yeah, so that was the All Japan show. Not not like a blow away show. Um, I would say really the only matches you need to watch are the last two, uh, the All Japan. The all you know the all Asia tag title match and the the triple crown title match, those are probably the the two biggest matches that you would want to see on the show. Um, if you don't have if if you're low on time, for sure you can skip. You can probably skip the rest. Um, if you're looking for something else that might be worth watching, I would say the the eight man junior tag was probably the best thing on the undercard. I don't know if you probably agree with what you from what you saw. Yep, totally. <laughs> yeah, so that was a that was a fun junior tag and gives you a nice little preview of what's coming up. Um, you know, in the and the uh, upcoming tour. So, yeah, let me see if we can look up really quick before you go to New Japan. I'll see if I can see some upcoming cards here. So I usually like to do that when we talk about another promotion, especially. But um, oh, we already have five title matches announced for the August tour. Well, wow. oof. Yeah, it's a lot, right? Oh, and Yohei's hurt. I just realized that's up. We spent all that time talking about how funny he was, and then it's like, yeah, Yohei's gonna miss the Summer Venture Tag League, unfortunately. Um, oh no, he's not hurt. He's just doing a personal boycott. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> so Yohei Nakajima was announced to miss the Junior Tag Battle Glory due to a personal boycott of the league. As well as citing differences with Black Tiger Seven, yeah, I say so because he spent half the match beating him up. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I can totally so, imagine Black Tiger coming out with like just and like dragging him by his hair like out to the ring or something. Or what's well, gonna be Black Minzo Re? I don't. That might just be Yohei. Yeah, that's gonna be him under a mask or something. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so the world, the world tag in the All Asia to be defending at Kurikan. Let's see the cards come up here. And that's on like the 18th or the 19th? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to go through real quick. Okay, so August 18th at Cork and Hall, Summer Explosion has the all-age heavyweight title match, which is the bodyguard going to defend against Naryu Nomura. That could be pretty good. Yeah. And the world tag titles, Suwama and Shuji Shikawa will defend against Kento Miyahara and Yoshitatsu. That could be really good. They had a really good match in the world tag league last year. Um, and then the Junior Tag League, you've got Black Menzo RE and Black Tiger 7 against Kaiji Tomato and Shiori Asai from, or Asahi from uh, Kaintai Dojo, who I totally forgot in this tournament. That's pretty cool. Uh, Koji Iromoto and Tajiri against Shuji Kondo of Wrestle 1 and Katar Suzuki. And Aoki and Sato against Wochizuki and Shun Skywalker. That should be awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Probably the most anticipated match of the tournament. Um, we also have Juice and Joe Dory against Jake Lee and Dylan James as well on the undercard. I believe Dylan James getting the next title shot, so which probably is useful at least retained for that one. If uh, if if you have the cards uh, pulled up for that, oh, tour, would you mind just... looking at? Would you mind looking at the the ninth? I, I can't want, think of you're going, to the, you're going to that show. 
Yeah, that's the Shinkiba show that I, I actually get to go uh, to. And the main event is uh, Skywalker and Mochizuki against Kondo. Yeah, and Kondo and Suzuki. So you get Maruyama and Masashi Takeda against Black Menzu RE and Black Tiger 7. Um, Hikaru Sato versus Keiichi Sato. The Battle of Sato's, all right. <laughs> uh, Yoshitatsu against Gianna, Gianni Valletta. Yeah. Kiyama, Zeus, and Omori against Su- Suwama, Shuji Shikawa, and Atsushi Aoki. That could be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Kento, Kento Miyahara, Nomura, and Ayagi, or Ayagi against Jake Lee, Koji Iromoto, and Tajiri. That could also that be, could be good. good too. Yeah. So, and I was wrong, by the way. The title, the 8th, August 26th, is a big show in Chiba. So that's going to have Zeus defending the Triple Crown title against Shuji Shikawa. So Ooh. that could be really good. Um, and it's also going to have Aoki against Iwamoto for the junior title. And uh, Nomura and Aoki defended the, the All-Asia Tag titles against Takayo Omori and his partner, Izami Kodaka. <laughs> yeah. Omori and Kodaka. That's yeah. a, I never thought I'd want to see, but the thought of it is actually kind of thought-provoking. You also get a, some matches that are the road to war, Royal Road. Um, but the big one is Kento Mihara versus Yuji Hino in a singles match. Ooh. Yeah. That was that was one of the best matches from Champion Carnival, man. Yeah, that was really good. That was from, I, was that the Hakata show? I think I it. Think, I think that was. Yeah, a, I think. Either, so. I know Hino had an awesome match in Hakata, but I can't remember if that was it. But regardless, yeah, that was a uh, that was an awesome match. Uh, it was day fourteen. I can tell you in two seconds. Let's see. I forgot. Oh, he was in a fire festival right now. Going, no, no, Miyahara Hino was Corkin. Okay, okay. So it must it was Shingo and Hino, maybe. Yeah, Shingo Hino was awesome. Yeah, I remember that one too. Yeah, I think that was the one I'm thinking of. That, that's exciting, man. But uh, Suwama, Suwama and Dylan James against Doring and Valletta. I guess they're going to team up now. Akiyama uh, and Yoshitatsu against Jake Lee and Ryoji Sai. So that's the rest of the. Or are they going to be? The- the modern day uh, Stan Hansen and <laughs> Bruce uh, I guess that's what they're going for, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's a cool. And there's obviously a lot of other junior tag league matches on the tour. Um, there's a oh, we already saw that. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up on the Summer Explosion series. I mean, that Zeus and Shuji Takara match should be fucking awesome. Yeah, I wish it was in Cork instead of Chiba, but it should still be awesome. Yeah, All Japan is so like they're sneaky good, man. Like they. Yeah. It, like they'll fall to the end of my queue, and obviously other things will supersede it. But like when I get down to watching some all Japan, I'm I'm always like I need to watch more. I need to like stay up to date with it. Like it's it's such a good product. Yeah, and they have a lot of cool stuff coming out in August, so I'm excited to watch it. Like the only time I watch a, a ton of it is Champion Carnival and also World Tag League because the World Tag League is usually pretty awesome yeah um like way it's like if you're a new japan fan and you see the you know, you're just getting into all japan or just about you want to try it now don't think the all japan world tag league is like the new japan one yeah. like they do it's always historically like even dating back to like the old all japan yeah. you know it's been like almost on par if not bigger than the champion carnival and you know it, to this day it's still like the wrestlers do not take the tour off the way they do in new japan so but yeah, so I'm. Uh, it's going to be a cool tour coming up. So there's your All Japan, uh, what you had to look forward to. All right, let's get into New Japan because we got four G1 Climax shows to talk <laughs> about here. Starting with the July 26th show, the this was the B Block in Nagaoka. 
Uh, the opener was Hiroki Goto and Tor. Well, the opener of the G1 matches because we're not talking the undercard tags, folks. Uh, <laughs> but this was Hiroki Goto and Toriano. Uh, Goto won in just 217 with the GTR. Not a lot to talk about because it was over very, very quickly. But, um, you know, Yano had been doing that whole thing where he was wrestling seriously, where here he just, like, immediately went for the turnbuckle and immediately, like, I guess he's in desperation mode now with only two points. You know, at this point he was, uh, I believe, one and two. This made him one and three. So he really needed the points bad, so he went back into full Yano mode. But Goto just hit the GTR and got the very quick pin. Not, Not a lot to say about it, I guess. Yep. <laughs> uh, the next G1 match was Tetsuya Naito against Tamatanga. Uh, Naito got the pin in 10 06 with a Destino that moved him to 3 and 1. It dropped Tamatanga to 1 and 3. Um, so I really hate a lot of Tamatanga's matches in this tournament. I didn't hate this one. I don't know whether it's just, you know, obviously I am going to have a natural bias towards Tetsuya Naito matches. Likewise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's my favorite, my favorite wrestler. He's, you know, very. Very big fan of his. Um, the way I did, we talked. We should have mentioned this during the trip thing, but like you and I both saw him win his first IWGP title. Yes, and sir. Then, and then when I went back the next year, I saw him win his second G one. It's just amazing how that worked. Yeah, that's like if awesome. I if I had gone to the dome this year, maybe he would have beat Okada. You know, <laughs> uh, we'll see what he's doing next year at Dominion. But yeah, so Naito and Tamatangi here. The I I don't know. It was uh. It was good. It wasn't the big problem with Tamatanga is that that he's so boring on offense that like not even Naito and his selling could really save it, which is why I can't really go that much higher. But then like, like of course Naito would be like you know the the fucking crazy man that he is. It's like oh we're doing this interference thing. Everybody else is like yeah punch me through the ropes or yeah give me throw me in the guardrail. He's like why don't you have your brother give me a power bomb on the ramp? That's <laughs> that's Naito's idea of doing like an interference spot. Because he's out of his fucking mind. Um, but yeah, and then we had you know the, the crazy run-ins with like Evil running out to make the save uh, when Fale came in. You know, Bushi comes in. Or no, Evil came in and then Fale came in. Yep. Evil came in to counter Tongaloa. Fale came in to counter Evil. And then Bushi came in, which is like a, a cool little callback to that weird Bushi-Fale feud and like blew the spit in Bushi's... Or blew the mist in Bushi's face, not the spit. And the crowd was like losing their shit for this, I have to say. Um, yeah. I, and then, and then Tama hits like a low blow. Naito pays him back at a low blow of his own, which is such an awesome moment. Uh-huh. And he has a destiny for the pen. Yeah, I went three and a half on this. I think Tama's best match. I just thought, I don't know if it was a combination of the Lij Smas and just Naito's bumping, just really made this an interesting and fun match. Yeah, I think the only thing holding up the the OG Bullet Club matches are their matches against the Lij guys. Because they can play the whole run-in thing from both factions, and uh, it really hasn't happened with any other opponents. And I, it's uh, an element of surprise seeing all the guys, especially Bushi, coming out there and missing guys. And it, as a junior, just not really seeing him that much as tour. If you don't watch the undercards, um, I don't even think he's on a lot of the tags. Is he? Yeah, it's it's just oh, like, he's on the tags. Okay, it's a uh, it's just a, a nice little change of pace as opposed to just seeing dudes get like those dudes get disqualified or just have boring shitty matches. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say, um, I don't know if it was this show or the next B block show, but, uh, Tonga Loa started doing, I guess it would have been the next B box show. Cause that's when Tonga, uh, 
Tama wrestled Zach, but Tonga Loa started doing like a long kind of intro for for Tama Tonga and uh, and Fale, and they're actually pretty good in my opinion. I think it, it got me kind of psyched up for the match, and then I realized it was still Tama. Tonga. <laughs> yeah, the the intro was wasn't bad. I was a little confused as why he was like rhyming so much, but uh, <laughs> but the actual intro itself wasn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the next match was Komahiro Ishii against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Zack got the win in 1434 with an arm bar that moved him to 2-2 two and two and dropped Ishii to 2-2. Two and two. The, If I had one complaint about Zack on this tour is he's kind of been on like the predictable booking tour where like all the people he beat in the in the New Japan Cup yeah, have been beating their him. Back. Yeah, Ibushi beat him. Um, God, who the fuck else? Ta- well, no, not Tanahashi. There's Sonata. somebody else. Yeah, Sonata, thank you. It was Ibushi and Sonata both beat him. And here, he's in here against a guy who, you know, even though he did beat Ishii, at one point Ishii's actually 2-1 and one against him because he won the the British uh, heavyweight title from him at, at Mania Weekend this past mm. year. So I just kind of figured, like, okay, well, the tour we're on here with everybody getting their wins back with, with involving Zach. Zach is probably winning, and it's kind of what happened. But... Yeah. This was still a really awesome match, I thought. Um, like, for a guy whose thing is, like, stoic, you know, stoic, stoicism and, like, fighting spirit and no cells, Ishii is actually, like, really good at selling. Yeah. Um, and, like, his selling of all the submissions and stuff is really good here. Um, and there was, like, this really cool little sequence where he hit, like, a sliding... He went for a sliding lariat. Zach, like, counted it into an arm bar, but then Ishii immediately counted, like, right back into, like, a German suplex. Almost, like... Zach has been doing this with a few people where, like, it feels like guys are, like, learning, kind of. Like, where, you know, Zach would would have been baiting people in sure. before yeah. they're, like, baiting him back. And they're, like, letting Zach get his arm or get their arms or whatever just and immediately being ready to, to hit these suplexes and stuff. So, and then Zach, like, there's a really, really good cradle near fall here. Um, they lost track of what they're supposed to be doing for a second. That, that had, I had to take it down a little bit for that. Like towards the finish, so that kind of sucked. But, Is that where the drop to the throw came? <laughs> no, I think it was a little after that. It was like right before the finish. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then the but the you know I was a little surprised you see tapped. He's not a guy that taps out really ever. But I still gave I still went four stars flat on it. Um. This G this whole G one has just been the best I've seen from Zach in New Japan. I'm not always the biggest fan of his, and I didn't really like his New Japan Cup run that much or the Sakura Genesis match with Okada, but. I don't know what it is. He's just been awesome in the G1. I don't know if he's just like, maybe he's finally having more more varied, varied matches or he's like more comfortable than the Japan guys now, but he's been awesome. Yeah, I think it's a, a little combination of with that, with the New Japan Cup and his match with, uh, with Okada, he kind of controlled the a major portion of a lot of those matches. Whereas here, like you were saying, a lot of guys are baiting him in. They're learning his uh, techniques and his uh, his little tricks. And I think they're catching on and the matches are more competitive than they were on the first go around. And plus the, his whole persona is like 10 times more over than it was when they introduced it in the new Japan cup. So he's a, uh, he's having a heck of a tournament, man. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a, uh, I wouldn't put him quite at the tippy top MVP candidates list, but he's like right on that second tier. So he's having a very good tournament. Yeah, um, the semi-main Kenny Omega defeating Juice Robinson. 
Uh, Kenny moved to 4 0, and Juice moved to 0 4. Kenny won in 15 31 with the One Winged Angel. Uh, this might be the first match where we disagree. I'm not sure, but um, I'm pretty sick of Kenny's shit. And this was the one where, like, I saw a lot of ratings that I knew were going to be a lot higher than mine. Um, you know, if you're just if you're if you're still really into Kenny, then you know you probably did enjoy this match. But I'm, okay, I'm just going to lay out some of my problems with it. So Kenny makes this like classic, you know, Kenny face trademark <laughs> to show how conflicted he was at going after Juice's injured hand, and then like ultimately decides against it. But then later on in the same match, he suddenly starts going after the hand. And, you know, if they were trying to tell a story where, like, oh, Kenny's so desperate, you know, he's getting his ass kicked by Juice unexpectedly, that he has to do it. But that wasn't really... Like, there was no basis for that because the match was even or even, like, advantage Kenny up until that point. It's not like he was having any problem. He just suddenly started attacking the ham for no real reason. And I don't know. I'm going to talk about it, too, with another one, but I, I don't understand his character, a lot of the time, I'm going to save a little bit of it for the Sonata match because it's another one that I didn't like as much as everybody else. And, like, I don't get what the point of that was of having him stall going after the hand. I don't, like, it just, it felt like they had that idea and then they didn't really craft a match where that would make sense. Like, Kenny was doing fine. They had no reason to suddenly decide he was going to, like, the guy have morals, right? No, I don't. For no reason. It's just very, it's just very weird. Like I don't, I feel like I can never get a grip on his character, and I, you know, like is he, you know, he's trying to be like this tweener, but like it never feels like, I don't know, it never feels natural to me. It always feels like very forced. Sure. So. Yeah, I I get that with with Kenny at times too, especially with his persona. Like maybe not so much as in ring work, but yeah, with the whole hand, um, working over the hand in this match, I much more preferred like Naito's attack on juice's hand where it's just like right from the onset yeah every move (laughs) was targeted towards the hand whereas kenny's like oh well i'm just gonna have my match with juice that i always have with everybody and then oh wait yeah like i have to play this into the match somehow and i i don't yeah i i completely agree with you where it's just kind of like well are you like is this like a conflicting like good versus evil kenny type of thing where like I must not do this because I'm the champion and I'm what New Japan stands for. Or, um, but I'm also fighting my my evil ways that <laughs> of the cleaner or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, and they, and they killed the crowd in this match too, which was interesting. Well, like sometimes I feel like okay, the crowds, you know, I'm not into it, but I, you know, maybe the crowd is still going nuts. But like the crowd was hot when they came out, but like in the, by the middle of this, they were like dead. Yeah, and they they won them back over a little bit towards the end, but like the build of this match, the crowd just like died. So this wasn't even a case where you know, okay, it's not working for me, but it's working for the live crowd. It really wasn't working for the live crowd. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't really buy the oh no, juice might roll him up again near fall at the end for a second, and I was watching unspoiled, so yeah, it just didn't feel real to me at all. And then Kenny hit the one with danger for the pin right after. I went like two and a quarter on this. I really didn't. I found it very boring and like strangely heatless and I just wasn't into it at all. And like I said, the hand thing was very weird, but I saw a lot of the people going much higher on this, but just was not for me. And yeah, I think it's just a case of Kenny being in vogue right now. And well, Kenny, it's very weird. Kenny's both in vogue and out of vogue. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's a very, there's an ongoing backlash to Kenny too, which. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't I think it's like 
people like not to like toot our own horn, but like we've been watching the guy since before he even came to DDT, you know, yeah. and like seeing his rise from there and then finally reaching that echelon. Sometimes there is that, that backlash from like the, the long-term fans that have seen everything of a guy's career where it's like, okay, he did it. Now what? Now it's like, we're ready for the next thing or the next guy or like our guy, like put it on Naito ASAP or something. You know? Yeah. I but, just also think he, he's hasn't been very good since he won the title other than the, other than the Naito match, which was awesome. But, yeah. That Naito match was incredible. Um, other than that, I just, you know, I don't know. Like the, that Cody match was, I think the worst title match we've ever seen. So. Yeah. The, I, I don't know how I feel like you've actually attended one of the, the new Japan uh, USA shows. Yeah. How I feel about those shows, man. <laughs> they're very, they're very weird. I the the first one, I don't know. I wasn't in the building for the second one, but the first one, or not actually, no, the one I went to was the second. You went to Long Beach, right? Yeah, I went to Long Beach to, for Strong Style Evolved this yeah. year. That's yeah. the second time they came. The third yeah. show overall. That to me felt more like a New Japan show. I agree. Than watching the Cow Palace show on, you know, we I ranted and raged about this enough on the podcast actually, but the Cow Palace show felt like the Bullet Club show. Like I even. Way more than the than the uh, the show I went to. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like a, a New Japan show. Yeah, very like at all. But the, yeah, I agree that strong style evolves show. The venue, the way it was set up, the match like order, like how everything was presented. I think the crowd was much more in line with like uh, a Japanese crowd for that. that show. Re- I can tell you from being in the crowd, that was a really hardcore crowd. Yeah, I mean, it, just, I, I'm it, glad they're going back to that venue. Um, yeah. That's, that was that was probably my favorite one of the first two nights where they did the the, the first Long Beach show and then yeah, that convention center. Yeah, yeah, that pyramid venue is, should be their home if they're coming back to the states like often. I, I, what I've heard is they're not going to come like after this. They might be done with California for a while. Is what I've heard. So if well, you're, they are doing that New York show, like you said. So yeah, I, I, I if think you're, if you're out in California, you know, you might want to. You might want to go get after this next show because I heard it could be a while if they come back. <laughs> Are you any chance you're going to go to MSG? By the way, I've heard all tons of people say they're going to fly in for that. Yeah, I think so. I uh, oh, that'd be cool. I, I'd uh, I'm I'm hoping to. I I think tickets go on sale on the tenth. So yeah, they go on. Although like they, the, they, the, there is a there's show? a lot there's a pre-sale on the eighth. If you know anybody with with uh, Honor Club. Ah, yeah, yeah. I I like I may consider because I. I'm not sure I want to do anything else for Mania Weekend, so I may just go to that show and then just hang around New York for a while. Yeah, I'm not sure what else I'm going to go to. I'm, I'm, uh, I def- I'm sure Fox's not going to go to Mania. So, yeah. <laughs> I, fucking... I, I did Janela Spring Break this year. It was cool, I guess. I would rather sleep yeah. uh, and then watch it with a fresh pair of eyes the next day if I'm going to watch it at all and all that. But yeah, it's just I kind of got burnt out going to like eight shows a day or, you know. That's a, I mean, I don't really care about American indie wrestling enough to want to go to that many shows. Yeah. If, if, like, if Gabe brings over, like, you know, a really good Japanese guest star, maybe I'll go to something. But, yeah. you know, I, I would have gone for Sawa and Sakimoto. If, yeah, you know, but those, were, honestly, like, the like most of the crowd really wasn't familiar with them. So yeah. it was kind of like an awkward type of... Like, by the end of it, his match with Riddle... He like took his shoes off and wrestled barefoot with Riddle, which was was I like was so excited for, and just seeing him live was cool. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just one of those things where you 
seeing them in their natural element. Yeah, <laughs> is, you, it's more preferable. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I because I, I've seen Japanese wrestlers in America going back to like fucking Kojima and Muto and like yeah. NXT three. So I've seen this. Final battle. The final battle of three. Yeah, final battle of three. That was the first time I ever saw any Japanese wrestlers in America, but many times since then, you know, yeah. Joe Kobashi and all that. You got to see but, Honma on that show too, man. Yeah, Honma was there. It's true. I mean, I barely fucking remember it now. Fifteen years later, I'm not gonna lie. That but, was one of the first Ring of Honor matches I watched. It was, it was uh, Second City Saints and Homa and somebody, and I was like, "What okay. did Homa and uh, God, that guy who was supposed to be like the big prospect, who eventually like uh, Miyamoto, I think." Was it? Yeah, because eventually, like, he he flamed out, and like, because he like, there's you know, there were a million all Japan splits over the years, and like one of them was like, um, I think it was supposed to be called like Royal Road or something, ah. and he was supposed to be like one of the stars of that, and that flamed out like almost immediately, and he just kind of like could not get a job with a big company again. Ah, like Russell Russell One used him for like two seconds doing this weird Japanese million dollar man gimmick. <laughs> like when they first started, but then he was gone like six months after. It was cool. I, I really saw potential in him as a kid, but like it just never, you know, just politics and stuff. Yeah, that's things too. Um, uh, we got way off tangent somehow. Yeah, the main did. event. One. Uh, that was my fault because I asked you about the MSG show. Oh, that's but, okay. <laughs> the main event: Sonata and Kota Ibushi. Uh, Sonata got the pin in. Uh, 22-23, maybe a little bit of a surprise there. Yes. Moving, moving him to 3-1, and one, Ibushi fell to 2-2. Two and two. Um, The crowd was really hot for both guys early on. They really loved Sonata's, like, he did these fancy arm ringer counters. Um, that was pretty cool. The Then there was, like, some there was a lot of weirdness on the ramp, though. They, they, they almost, like, forgot the spot. It's, it felt like it. And then they couldn't really quite land the moonsault under the skull and on the floor either. Yeah, so that was kind of a downer. Um, Otherwise, though, <laughs> yeah. After that, it picked up. Awesome. Um, so they, yeah, there was like the only problem I have with this match is probably have a lot of these G one matches this year where there was this problem where Sonata, you know, Sonata did all this legwork on Abushi and it just kind of had no point because Abushi just started off, just started firing off these like picture perfect springboards one after another, like right after. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't know what the point of that was then. Um, and then Abushi, like, he did, there was a really cool spot where Sonata did that lawn dart thing mm-hmm. to Abushi. <laughs> it's like Abushi got the taste with that lawn dart thing taste <laughs> like. And the way he collided, it was like, I, that, that probably is like, wow, that really hurts. Yeah. Well, you know, like, if Abushi's going to take one of his, like, patented moves, he's going to make it look fucking Because <laughs> <laughs> that's I, the kind of guy he is. I mean, I can't wait for this weekend because Naito and Ibushi, those are like the two. They had an incredible match last year, but like in general, just those are two guys that like are going to take, they take every move like on their neck, you know? It's yes. so like if there's a way to like die taking a wrestling move, like those two find it every single time. Yeah, so. their they're G1 match from 2013, it was a Corkin show. Um, I think it was the same show as uh, like Kojima and Shibata. Oh yeah, yeah. That was like that's one match that I like go back and watch. Just like uh, I, if I'm trying to kill time or something, like I'll still go back and watch that match. It's just so good. Yeah, I, I love like the way those two match up. And last year, you know, I went five stars on their match, so high yep. expectations here to see if they can follow <laughs> up. But here we had, um, you know, Sonata got hit the moonsault, got the pen, 
Um, a very good closing stretch, but I couldn't go higher than three and a half because of the sloppiness and the pointless legwork. But still, a very hot end to the show, and you know the hometown boy Sonata got the win, and he actually talked at the end too. Which <laughs> never, never does. So, were you surprised by the result of this match? I was a little surprised, but then once I remembered it was some, it was his hometown. I was like, yeah. okay. Um, I am really, really like happy and just excited for Sonata because it's like he's starting to hit that level that all of us have hoped and like waited for him to to reach. And now he's starting to get there, and it's it's really exciting to see. Yeah. Especially when they're putting him over guys like Kota Ibushi. It's just like, oh, okay, so they're starting to get behind him. Like, we're getting traction. Like, let's see what else happens in this tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, this was, like, I thought each of the worst of the B-Block shows uh, up to that point. But even a mediocre B-Block show is still, like, better than all the A-Block shows, probably. <laughs> so it's still a good show, but just nothing... You know, the highest rated match I had was four stars, which is nothing blow away on this show, basically. Yeah. But yeah. still a good show. Um, yeah. Then we moved on to the A block on July 27th, which was in Hamamatsu, the Act City Hamamatsu. The, uh, the first match. <laughs> What's that? The big concrete gym. Oh, yeah, the big concrete gym. Um, <laughs> this was the one, too, where I don't. Do you, do you watch the post show promos or no? Um, sometimes. This was yeah. the one where, like, the. The promo area, I think. It could have been a different show, but I think it was this one. The promo area was so close to the entrance ramp. Like, you could always hear the music in the background during these. But in this one, the music was, like, fucking loud. And it was, like, so loud that, like, you could barely make out what the wrestlers were saying. So, oh, you know what? I, I did. I saw the uh, Suzuki interview where he, uh, he kicked all the um, the cameramen down and told them to film them from their knees. <laughs> yeah, he, do, he does that shit like that all the time. That's so funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't admittedly watch uh, a lot of the the post match interviews, but I've been trying to since you and uh, Alan Forel have been pushing them so hard. So yeah, I, I mean, I watch them for every show. I love them, but I think it's a huge. It adds a lot to to your enjoyment of the promotion. Yeah. So you may have um, noted this previously, but are you watching with uh, English commentary or are you watching with Japanese? Oh, so I think for every show here, I watch English. Um, I like the English. I like Kevin Kelly and Rocky. They do a pretty good job. If there was, I might have watched one of these shows on Samurai because I have access to Samurai TV. All so right. it would have been Japanese commentary, but I don't remember. I think I might have watched them all in English. But gotcha. some, of these, some of these shows aired on Samurai too, and I had the option to watch on Samurai. But do, you, do you have the Fuji TV app? Or Yeah, that's what I have, Fuji TV. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, yeah, I um, not to go too far off, but yeah, I've been really... Uh, I've been sticking with the English commentary, which is something I never thought I'd say about Japanese wrestling. But it's um, those two, like Rocky and Kevin Kelly, really have stepped their game up. Like they they know what they're talking about now, and they're they know how to narrate a Japanese wrestling match very well. So yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Like the if you compare Kevin from where he is now to where he started, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, he was, <laughs> was not good when he started, but you know. <laughs> He's listening. I don't know if he because he does follow us on Twitter amazingly. Oh, but, that's awesome. like, but he improved a lot, like so much in the past like, year or so to the point where you could tell. I mean, there was some point where I'm sure at the start he was trying to follow along. Mm-hmm. But there was some point where it like really clicked for him. And like what, having seen all this stuff in the past like year to year and a half, like he could like reference it, you know, like he had that 
that yep. jumping off point. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you don't have to be watching this stuff forever to know your shit. But, like, I think any newer fan can tell you, like, you when you first start watching, you just try to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yep. And then, like, maybe six months in, you start to get a kind of a feel for it. And, like, a year in, you feel like you're really, like, embedded and you know what's, you know, you can go back a year and know what's go- what's happened with these guys. And he has that ability now where he's been doing this for a long enough time that he can bring up anecdotes and past stuff. And, you know, he just sounds like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. I mean, obviously compared to Jim Ross, who still <laughs> after all this time doesn't know anything, just, just calling it doesn't, doesn't, you know, I'm sure he has to put a lot of research into, which is commendable. You can yeah. tell like he, like he really set out to be good at this. And I think he, he has gotten really good at it. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, so the A block show here. Uh, the first G1 match was Minoru Suzuki defeating Michael Elgin that in 1410 with the Got Style Power Driver. Um, Suzuki went to three and two, and Elgin went to two and three. Um, yeah, I didn't like this match at all. It was just very dull, I thought. The very dull crowd brawling was the biggest uh issue I have with it. Um, and Elgin did like a really bad tiger driver at one point that I didn't like. But yeah, I, I don't think really have. I think that was like almost a sell though because he's got a. That's he's got, true. He's got a screwed up bicep, and uh, I think he was playing that up or something. Maybe not intentionally, but yeah, I, I noticed that too. And I think Kevin Kelly even noted it on on commentary. And I was like, mm, maybe it's maybe that that whole bicep thing's a shoot. <laughs> Which yeah, it could it could have been. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Elgin, you know, not to talk about anything else with him, but like just from like a physical standpoint, you know, you've watched him a long time. He's from the same area. Yeah. Because doesn't he look different since he dropped all that weight and like not in a good way? Like since he dropped that weight to me, like weirdly, you, you would think he'd be faster and like have more stamina. But to me, it seems like the opposite. Like he, he seems winded in these matches a lot now. Yeah. He's, I, I mean, like aesthetically, he looks incredible. I think, but oh yeah, yeah. He, I, I don't know. I think he's working. He's trying to work more of like a like a powerhouse, like even more so than previously, just because he's so jacked now. Like it's like, look how strong I am, type of deal. But uh, with the bicep injury, it doesn't really help. But yeah, he he definitely looks. I think the best way to like the and the nicest way to say it is like he just looks tired. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I like. He just looks gassed in his matches. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot earlier. So yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, we don't have to harp on that. So next up, Evil <laughs> and Hangman Page. Uh, Evil got the pin in fifteen forty to go to four and one. Uh, Hangman Page fell to one and four. Um, Evil, I think I don't know if he gave his exact line, but he noted like Hangman. Like it's Hangman Page's birthday, and he said basically, like, you know, I hope you have a happy birthday in the darkness world because they were wrestling on his birthday. And I was just like crying at that at that line, just so great. Um, how but, how about the page so far? I've liked him. I think he's had a good G one. I know not everybody's felt that way, but I thought he's been he's been pretty good. Um, yeah, not not like blow away, but he's also in the weak block. And, you know, I thought, like, I had this match at three and a half, which is where I've had a lot of his matches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, like, you know, not three, like, to four. And, I, you know, I went four and a quarter in the Okada match. And uh, I think we'll be talking about another one here that I really liked. So, yeah, he's he's had a good G1. I've been, I've been into him. I thought he's been pretty good. Um, 
there was at one point here where like there's one spot that made me laugh like a madman where like Paige set Evil up and like just hit one single chop on him and Evil just like screamed. Um I just like ooh a what like ooh like just like really pronounced scream and I just like I re- I must have rewound this like three times because I just could not like just the way he said it. Um but yeah, it was kind of boring for a little while, but like it really picked up in the the last few minutes. Um, I so I went like three and a half on. I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good too. I think like these guys had to like have had like some opener matches on some like 2014, 2015 Ring of Honor shows. Oh, yo, I was there for one of them. Oh, really? Yeah, because they the uh, the show in Philly. Um, it was like I guess War of the Worlds or something. Um, in 20, this would have been 2015, I think. This is like the year before Shinsuke, uh, Shinsuke left. He's still like, you know, doing the whole rock star tour in Ring of Honor. And, you know, his autograph line was like out the door. And, you know, just, you know, he would, he'd be leaving in a few more months. It was like right before the end of his excursion. But yeah, him, Watanabe at the time and Paige, they had like an early match on the show and they like tore the house down, actually. Yeah. They had an awesome match together. So Paige. But Paige, Paige brought it up in contact. He was like, yeah, I wrestled him on War of the Worlds when he was in Ring of Honor, and I beat him, but I didn't beat him here. So. Huh. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool that he brought that up. Um, yeah, I just – I I really like Evil. I really like Paige. Um, I feel like that could be like a main event on a big show in the next like five years if, if their trajectories like go as, as everybody hopes. <laughs> um, I think they both have like so much potential and they're both so young still. They're only like, he just turned 27. So it's like, <laughs> you got, you got only like the, the best hangman page and evil like to come. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, something I was not excited for was Jay White and, <laughs> Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. Uh, Bad Luck Fale got the pin 11.42 with the Bad Luck Fall. Moved him to 2-3 and three and dropped Jay White to 3-2. and two. Um, I noticed when this match started, the crowd was suddenly replaced by an hour three of Raw crowd. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This is uh, I, I tweeted something like, this is really the kind of match where I question my own sanity judgment and overall path in life when it comes to watching every damn match of this thing and yeah it was really terrible um it was just really boring okay this match was so boring it had me in such a like trance how how boring was it (laughs) it had me like such a trance of staring at the screen that it took several minutes of dead silence before i noticed the english commentaries were gone because like folly like whipped white or white whipped folly or something into the guardrail and like i guess they took out the wires and they, they didn't come back until partway through the next match but like it didn't click i just remember like staring at the screen for a long time and being like wait a second there hasn't been english commentary for so for a very long time <laughs> but it was uh it was very it was very some it was something it was really terrible one of the worst matches the entire g1 uh yeah, boarding on negative stars, or Jay White, and basically anybody that has to wrestle Folly. Like, he, <laughs> I feel bad because, like, I've been like, if you follow Folly on Instagram and any other forms of social media, I'm sure you know. He, like, and commentary brings it up all the time. But he lost all that weight, and you're really not seeing any like benefits from. No, the, if anything, he looks worse. 
Yeah, he's just missing. He's blowing spots. They they're booking him like they're booking him, and he's his he's he's just not good. I would would just be like the the heavy guy like that's at ringside all the time for Biddy Tama. (laughs) For Deva, I know. I mean, maybe you should just go take a job in the Trump administration. (laughs) Loves Trump so much. Yeah. Uh, Semi main event. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Togi Makabe in 12 minutes exactly, according to New Japan site, to go to four and one. Uh, Makabe falls to two and three. Yeah, this was not very good. I, I, this was like they just kind of took the night off. It feels like, um, you know, I only went like two and a quarter on it. It, it was disappointing because Makabe had been having a pretty good tournament up to this point, but like they just these are two old veterans who are like. Yeah, we're not the main event, so we're just going to chill here. And yeah. it's fucking Hamamatsu. Let's just take the night off. And I like the back of my mind, I was hoping for, you know, one of, like in previous years, whenever they're paired up together, they kind of go all out and have a really good match. Yeah. I, I, I was expecting that, or even possibly like, uh, I know this isn't Makabe's, like, he he didn't announce it or anything that it, this is his last G1 or anything, but I was hoping for, like, a Tanahashi-Nagata match from last year where it just kind of wakes up that dead crowd that in the middle of the week, middle of the tour type of situation and just really didn't happen. But, you know, sometimes you just have get-or-done matches in the middle of the G1. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's understandable. It's not, I'm not going to like drag him or anything, but yeah, it was, and it wasn't bad. It's just like, yeah, it's just there. Yeah. I, I forgot. I watched it already. You know, one of those types of things that right, immediately after you're like, all right, yeah, that was fine. I don't remember any of it, but yeah, it was cool. Uh, the main event, Kazuchika Okada against Yoshihashi. Uh, Okada got the pit of 1940 with the Rainmaker. It moved him to three and two. Yoshihashi fell to one and four. Uh, before the match, I was like, if Okada versus Yoshiyashi isn't like fucking excellent, this is the worst show of the tournament by a mile. And <laughs> thankfully, this was really good. Um, yeah. You know, the, they redeemed themselves from their 2012 uh, <laughs> that three uh, minute piece of shit match. Yeah, yep. and Okada hit the uh, his his original style yeah. rainmaker that he hasn't. He probably has not hit that once in the past six and a half years. I know. Uh, that was such a great. I mean, can you, you know? I know people hate this shit, these comparisons, but can you imagine WWE referencing something from a match six and a half years ago? When would they ever do that? No, like, like they would it, never do. Like, uh, they don't even reference things from six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Yoshi like he had this fiery comeback that was pretty good. And he got um, the world behind him. It was awesome. Yeah, like the whole crowd just wanted him to win this by a lot. Like Yoshi just had such a great, like fiery underdog performance here that that's what really put it over the top for me. Um, and at one point he did like this rainmaker slap to Okada. That was awesome. But yeah, like by the end of this, like you know, you just wanted to, you just wanted him to win. The same thing as in the Tanahashi match we're going to talk about. And you know, I went four stars on this. It was a fucking awesome match, and it, you know. It didn't save the show because the rest of the show was really terrible outside of, uh, you know, Evil and Paige having a pretty good match. But it's still, you know, at least made the show not a complete waste of time. Yeah. Uh, all right. July 28th is the next one we're talking about here. This is in Aichi, um, another B-block show here. And it started out with Tama Tonga and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Zack got the win in 10.59. 
by disqualification, moving him to three and two, while Tama Tonga fell to one and four. Is there anything else that needs to be said about these fucking <laughs> Tama Tonga DQs? Uh, no. It was amazing. The crowd was super hot for Taka's introductions. They were pretty hot for the Tonga Lower introductions we were talking about before. And the, they proceeded to kill the crowd immediately in the match they had. Yeah. Um, there were like some really awkward, like bad looking schoolboy counters. And then, like, you know, why did they even bother with this DQ shit? Like, Tama tapped to the visual tap out anyway. Just fucking let it be a tap exactly. out. Who gives a shit? I don't know. It's just so stupid. And can't even say it's protecting Tama. Like, he tapped. Who cares? So, yeah. Tama doesn't need protection. Yeah, that's that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Or again, we're a really terrible match. It's <laughs> really a bummer because I, I like, I really want Tama to be like a, a good wrestler because I know he has it in him, but it just, it never comes to fruition. And it's not, it's not the character. It's not the interference or anything. He's just like not a good wrestler. Yeah. He looks like he should be. He's just not, though. <laughs> I don't know what else I can really say about it. I, I, I the whole OG thing is, and I'm as you know, I'm not a very negative person when it comes to wrestling. I don't like to talk shit on it, but on like things I don't like. But I just don't get this. Like they could have put somebody else in these slots instead of Fale and Tonga, and had like another fifth good match on the show instead of. <laughs> I I don't know if it's if they're making these like the guys nights off since Yano's kind of working <laughs> actually yeah. this tour. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like, I don't know, like the, the bullet club split thing. It's like, we just came off a storyline where the, I don't want to say the storyline was that Cody sucked, but the storyline was kind of that Cody sucked. Yeah. I mean, like he, he's clearly presented as inferior to Kenny and you know, this guy who has to do all this crazy, this stupid shit to win. And, you know, all the, and he's a evil cheating heel. And, you know, the moment that ends to immediately jump right into another fucking Bullet Club split storyline with the, where the idea is the other side sucks and cheats and DQ. It's just like, come on. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. So I don't know. Like, this whole storyline, I don't know if some, maybe people, I don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, ears and eyes onto the hardcore Bullet Club fan base. Maybe they're more into this. <laughs> than like you or you and I are, but like I don't really know any, you know. I think they're. I keep dropping followers every time I talk shit about Kenny Omega on my Twitter, so I assume <laughs> they just keep on following me. But yeah, I mean, like I don't. I don't know that many hardcore Bullet Club fans. Maybe they're more into this than we are, but I just cannot stand this fucking Bullet Club split shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, hope maybe it's just something to get to Long Beach or something. I don't know. Uh, the next match was Juice Robinson and Toru Yano. Um, it was Yano or Juice getting the pen yep. with Pulp Friction 828 to go to one and four. His first win also dropped Yano to one and four. Um, this was okay, and nothing really that special, like two and three quarters. But after the last match, it felt like the fucking match of the year. So, <laughs> like, it was just very much just kind of there for me, but it was all right. Yeah, this is one of the uh, post-match interviews I did see was Juice's, and it was hilarious. He's like, I know you came into this tour saying you weren't going to do your sneaky bullshit, and I I had, I had, judged better, and I knew you, that you would, and like, I'm butchering it, but it was it was worth yeah. like, going out of your way to see, because Juice is an awesome promo. 
I mean, uh, you know, Kevin Owens said so even on Twitter. So yeah, I mean, can you imagine him going to WWE though and like suddenly having to do their fucking scripted bullshit? Yeah, like, I, don't just, any, I don't know how any of the like the New Japan guys or like the major indie guys like. I mean, I guess it's security and. Yeah, no, no, I get why they go there for the bunny and shit, but like, I'm just saying, like, they would butcher. Yeah, like he he would be doing like the most fucking cornball stupid because right now he's right on that line where he could he probably is too corny for some people but like i think he's right there where it it works for him but like they them scripting him would just be like yeah they probably put back the cj parker or whatever his name was Uh that that gimmick back on him where he's coming out and being like a uh fucking evil hippie i know yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't go anywhere. I mean, he he says all the right things about not going anywhere, but you never know. Like when they, yeah, he seems like, to be hey. people that he seems to really like Japan. So. Yeah, but like at some point, like the same thing I would say about Kenny. It's like at some point they can just offer you so much money that you you'd be fucking stupid to say no. Exactly. So, yeah, you never know with them. Um, match number eight: Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii. So this was sure fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> this is Abushi got the pin in sixteen thirteen at the Kamagoe, moved him to three and two, dropped Ishii to two and three. Um, yeah, this was like I just remember this being awesome. Like two minutes in already, I was like, wow, this is already incredible. Yeah. And Abushi, of course, had to do a balcony dive. Yeah. Um, at one point, they just no sold like a hundred suplexes in a row, and the crowd I thought like sounded like they were gonna just have a meltdown, like they were just losing their shit. Um. You know, Kota really got into like angry Kota mode and like started like slapping and kicking a down Ishii, which was not a great strategy on his part. Like Ishii was like got up and was very pissed. Um, and then they just they did this long sequence where they were like fighting over control of like you know the double wrists, you know, mm-hmm. and it just ended up with Ishii having control of Ibushi's wrist and hitting the Kamagoe on on Ibushi, which is really cool. And then Ibushi, like at one point, he hits, he hits, you know, he pays him back. He hits the brain buster on Ishii, and Ishii like no sells it because it's like you're not gonna fucking beat you, my finisher. And then Ibushi just runs over and hits the bamaye on him, yep. which is like an awesome callback to like his his uh Super Nakamura. Nakamura. Yeah. And but that only gets a one count, and like the crowd is just like losing their shit. And then Ibushi hits a high kick, and he sets up for the Kamigawa and gets the pin. Um, yeah, I went four and a half on this. This was fucking awesome. Yeah, I love this match. I, best, I think my third favorite match of the tournament so far. It was the first one that I actually went back and rewatched, um, just because it's it's so much like uh, the Ishisa uh, uh, Shibata match from 2013 G1. That's just like mm, yeah, it was like one of the best ever. And um, I don't know, whenever Ibushi gets like dead behind the eyes. <laughs> That's when you know shit's on, man. Like it's, uh, that's he, he's next level. Like right yeah. now, I mean, he's always been next level, um, but like, man, I there's not enough words to like praise mm-hmm. the match. Like it's so good, and like more chops to the throat, punches to the throat, like stuff like that, where it's the element of danger is involved, and it's not just like your your standard pro wrestling match. Like, man, I was sucked in. I. I like I like I said I watched this match twice and it was the first one from the tournament so yeah see the, what, go out of your way to see this match yeah for sure and the, the whole thing with um I don't know Bushi to me he's so fucking good but ha- but he's also 
been so good and is like you know off and on so much that I think people almost take him for granted. Yeah, you know sometimes and like he's just like he is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Like if he's not number one, he's like top three probably. So I don't know. He just he's always incredible. And like to me, it's like pretty much a three way race for MVP between him, uh, Ishii, and Naito. So yeah, I agree. Um, up next, we have <laughs> Hiroki Goto and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, Naito got the pin in thirteen twenty six with the Destino that moved him to four and one and dropped Goto to two and three. Um, so this was weird in that I was really looking forward to this because their match from the twenty sixteen New Japan Cup Finals is one of my yeah. favorite. Matches. Yes, yeah, it's such an incredible match at Korokin. Like, oh no, no, wait, no, that was not a Korokin. Ishii it was, was at, a Korokin. Yeah, it was at a it was some weird venue where they had like yeah. the full Ring of Honor lights. Yeah, but it was like three, something like three thousand seat venue or something. Yeah. But it was an incredible match, like really awesome. And this one was not that. Um, <laughs> this was like a lot slower than I expected it to be. Um, I don't want to say they took the night off, but they didn't go full tilt. No. Um, you know, Naito. You know, I, I did laugh really hard when first of all, Goto wouldn't even let Naito do the. The fake out dive, like he just ran back at and clotheslined him. That was pretty funny. Yeah. And Naito like used the the very classic counter to the knife heads chop, the spit attack, <laughs> which was funny. Um, but yeah, and then I don't know, like they they kind of screwed up the counter of the running running destino, which sucked. And Naito then just kind of hit two destinos out of nowhere and won. Um, I I liked it still. I went like three and a half on it, but you know, I I definitely expected better. And, you know, I just love both men, which isn't the reason why I expect it better. But, yeah, I just, like, um, you know, I there's something to be said. But I I kind of feel like they, the story they might have been telling was that Naito is just such a clear step above Goto at this point that, like, he could just beat him without really breaking a sweat. Which, you know, and, the, and they, the, the promos kind of even played into that with the way Naito said it. You know, he said, basically, I will... Um, you know, I, you're not on my level. I'm going to beat you, basically. You know, t- typical wrestler stuff. But, like, he kind of came through here. Like, he really did seem like he was on. Yeah. You said think, it's just Goto a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I think this match would have been... It would have been interpreted as, as uh, at least marginally better if it was, like, slotted before the Ishii Ibushi match. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, that was... Uh, I think they were a victim of like being in between that and then Kenny and, and Sonata um, in the main event. So yeah. it, I, I thought it was a good match, but yeah, I think they, they didn't take it up to like fifth gear or whatever. And, so. and you look at what, what's still coming up for Naito. I mean, he's got, you know, Coda on Saturday, which he really is going to probably just really go full tilt on. And, you know, I don't know. And Goto yeah. has a, Goto has a main event tomorrow, I think. Yeah, main event. They both have matches to Bushi coming up. They're both main events. So yeah. maybe they both kind of save themselves for that. So yeah, Goto's main, event, main eventing against Ibushi. You know, by the time you most of you heard this, probably you'll, that will have taken place. And Naito Ibushi will be taking place this coming Saturday. So, and uh, another main event. So here, maybe they just kind of like were taking it easy, which, you know, they're human. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, the main event, Kenny Omega and Sonata. Kenny got the pin in 2012 with the one winged angel to move to 5-0. and So now I dropped to 3-2. and um, All right, I have a lot to say about this. But first of all, 
were you were stunned? Were you watching the spoiled or no? I was unspoiled. Yeah, were you stunned? I was pretty stunned. I really thought Sonata was winning this. Yeah, I thought I thought just the way things were going, and with uh, Sonata having beaten Ibushi in the previous yeah. show, I thought like, oh well, then like if there's one guy that beats, if there's if I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I just figured if Sonata beat Ibushi the the previous show, he would probably beat omega and set up uh, some type of of uh challenge between yeah. wrestle kingdom because he seems to be in that kind of position but who knows maybe he'll end up winning the darn thing i don't know yeah. <laughs> but it was probably, uh, not, but. probably not but yeah i was pretty stunned honestly that they had kenny win now yeah. i don't want that to be the, re- the reason why i did not like this match as much as you know i saw like four and a half four and three quarters from some circles people who like kenny Probably a lot more than me. I mean, look, I talked, I touched on this a little bit um, on, my, on the last Kenny review. I don't understand his character and like the, the character traits together. And you know, he's supposed to be this best bout machine who only cares about star ratings. He talks about his star ratings constantly. He's the unbeatable champion. But then early in this match, he's fucking pulling Sonata's hair. Why would the best bout machine who only cares about winning? who's the unbeatable champion, be pulling another man's hair like a minute into the match. Like what exactly? It feels like he's mashing together these different character traits and like the key to being a, you know, a badass tweener is like having a lot of character traits that make no sense together. Like another point, Sonata held the rope open for him yeah. and, and Kenny went to do the same in. thing and he just ran in and drop kicked him. Yeah. It's like, so just, you can be a tweener without being like a I, fucking asshole who makes no sense. Yeah. Because like, you're just a heel, then. <laughs> yeah, you're just a heel that like American fans like. Like yeah. I don't know the entire character. Like he can be a tweener just because he's a strong champion who you know is a wall to people the Japanese fans like slightly more. Right. But instead, he's being a tweener by like fucking being an asshole sometimes and not being an asshole other times. It's very inconsistent. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, when I tweeted that out. I have to give a shout out to uh, Paul on Twitter at Paul from online. You said he's a Kenny is a 13 year old's EFEG character. Which <laughs> that actually probably is the best explanation for Kenny Omega. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So- just uh, to be clear, I do like Omega. I, I do like those <laughs> matches and everything, but I, I completely see where you're coming from. I don't see I, people. I'm sure who listen to this think I hate, I hate the guy. I still have him in three, four and three quarter star matches this year. You yeah, know, against Okada, the tag of Strong Style Evolve, which I might have overrated because I was there, but that's another one. And the match against Naito, like when he hits for me, he hits very well, you know, very hard. Like he's a, you know, he can have fantastic matches. I just think he needs like somebody to rein him in a lot of the time, and he needs like that influence to maybe not, I don't know, just be full Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> does that make any sense? And he was full Kenny here, and. Yeah. It was very detracting. Um, there was the very pointless leg work on Sonata's leg. You know, I, I just don't understand Ken, the the amount of, like, why does Kenny think he needs to do leg work in his matches? He doesn't have any submissions, really. He never beats anybody by submission. Why are you working over the guy's leg forever just for, like, he does this all the time. And it's like, you know, you're working over the guy's leg forever to set up nothing. And it just makes the entire match look kind of stupid when it gets blown off inevitably, which... 
it did here because after all the legwork, Sanaya just started doing his perfect like giant leapfrogs, you know, and like a really nice plancha, which doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he, I, it might have been better actually if he just completely blew it off than what he did, where it's like, oh, I can jump really high, but now I'm holding my leg. Oh, I can uh, I can land on my feet off a German, uh, help hold it like it hurt a little bit, but then run, run over and do like a perfect springboard. Yeah, it's but like, just completely disregard any of the the limb work that was was done in the early stages of the match. Yeah, that I get frustrated with that too. It's just like, why do it then? Yeah, just, it's just blows or something instead. Matches are fucking fake. Yeah, like you don't have to do leg work. Like I understand people. I I always see the counter this being like, oh well, people get hurt and blow it off and blah blah blah. But like, this is fake. Yeah, you can. You don't have to do this shit if it's not going to mean anything. If I'm watching a wrestling, a fake professional wrestling match, and I see a man beating on another man's leg for five minutes, I expect it to mean something in the context of the rest of the match, not be like, oh, Sonata like flexed his leg for a second. Anyway, back to springboards and dives and leapfrog. It just doesn't make any sense. And this is also the match. And what really took this match down another like notch for me is. This was the match where the V trigger spam like reached its like apex. Um, I've never or, heard that term before. The V trigger like, spam. V trigger spam. For, for uh, Omega at this point, right? <laughs> but like, this is where it was the worst. And you know, part of it, I guess you could say, is Sonata's fault for the way he sold it. But there was at one point where Sonata was like kneeling and Kenny hit like two V triggers on him and Sonata sold them like they were knife edge chops. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, come on. It's supposed to be this deadly strike. And he's just like, eh, what else he got? And it's yeah. like, everybody else you're blasting your knee. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Like, you're blasting your, your, your somewhat exposed kneecap at somebody's skull. Like, you got to sell it more than just like a, a slapper or a chopper. Yeah, even to, a be fair, like, to be fair, he did hit him in the chest here. So you could kind of be like, well, maybe it doesn't hurt as much. But it's still like, yeah. you know, Kenny's doing the same exact fucking die slap he always does. So it still right. sounds really, like, brutal. And it it looks, you know, it actually looks good. I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, for Sonata just to, like, take this knee to chest, of, you know, high speed with, like, the, the slap it and just be like, yeah, I'm good. What else yeah. you got, buddy? Plus you're <laughs> just discrediting the move at that point. Like, Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know. Um, so then, then it, I mean, then he got hit by it like three more times, mostly to the head, and just completely no sold. And I, you know, then at one point Kenny did like this like face where he was like a Kenny face is what I call him now. Like sad and shocked he didn't get a pin with a movie he never gets a pin with. I don't even know what move that was now. I should have wrote it down which one it was, <laughs> but it was like really just obnoxious. Um, and then at one point, like Sonata, I guess, like leaped into his, or they they were doing like a tombstone reversal sequence. Yeah. And Kenny just took like an eternity to set up the Gonzo driver thing he's been doing lately. I think that's what that's mm-hmm. called. And it was like he had to like move his arms, move his. It's like, why is Sonata just sitting there and like waiting for Kenny Boy, to get him? Was, kick around. Yeah, like do something. I don't know. It just like looked really, really fucking fake. Yeah. And then the one of the worst one one ring days I've ever seen, and Kenny got the pen. Although uh, I, the the uh, one wing angel reversal that's not addicted to uh, the uh, skull end was was pretty darn cool. Yeah, that was a that was a cool move. I mean, 
what kept me from giving this like a dud was like some cool moves, basically. Yeah. Um, I went like two and a half on it. I really, really did not like it very much. And for all the reasons I stated, and um, yeah, Kenny, not having the best G1, in my opinion. You know, he started off really well with Nitro. Well, that's up for interpretation. Yeah, that's true. But from my perspective, not having a great G1. Four, you know, four and three quarters with Nitro. Um, you know, I went four flat on the Goto match, and then ever since then, it's been kind of like, you know, three straight. I mean, you can't blame him for Tomatonga. Everybody's having a shitty match with Tomatonga, but these last two matches, Juice and Sonata, have not been very good, in my opinion, anyway. Um, you know, other people like them a lot more, and, you know, I'm never... I'm here to share my opinion, but I'm not trying to tell you, the listener, what you can and cannot like. So, if you love Kenny Omega, if you're like shaking your fist at your iPod right now or your iPhone. Who the fuck has an iPod anymore? At your <laughs> iPhone and, like, that asshole John talking shit about my favorite wrestler. Like, you can like whatever you want, Lister. I, you know, it's a free country, a free, not a free world, really. But, and not really even a free country. But, you know, you get the point. You're allowed to have your <laughs> your varying opinions on uh, pro wrestlers and pro wrestling in general. Yeah, exactly. You can also coexist and be friends. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the the amount of fucking Kenny on followers I've had lately, you you wouldn't know that, but yeah, you know, I get cool. it. I can be I can be a very opinionated fellow. Um, but the with all that said, though, as bad as I think Kenny's tournament has been so far, he probably will have a really good tournament the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, the big question mark to me is this Zack Saber Junior match tomorrow, which again, some of you hearing this may have already oh. seen by the time you listen to this. Um, they've only had one match before, and it was like in England in like 2013 or something. So it's you know it's a might as well be a new match. And sometimes when you take Kenny out of his comfort zone, he can have a really awesome match. Sometimes he just forces the other guy to wrestle a very Kenny match, and it doesn't really work. So I guess we'll see. Um, I mean that's the question mark to me. Omega Yano, that will be hilarious. Like that'll be. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait for that one. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I, I'm ex- I'll, I'll actually be there in Yokohama for that match, and uh, yeah. that's a that's a sneaky good card. It's got Juice and Juice and Ishi, um, easy enough for me to say. Um, Goto and Zach and freaking yeah, Naito and Sonata, and then yeah. unfortunately we get Ibushi and Tamatonga, so <laughs> that kind of blows. But I'm sure that will result in. Um, Yokohama has a really cool, uh, like balcony area to do moonsaults off of t- onto uh, multiple Bullet Club OG members. So, hopefully, that's <laughs> the shining spot of the match since I'm sure he won't be able to do it the next few nights at Budokan Hall. So, we'll get Unless it out. He just does, <laughs> yeah. He'll have to do it in the final then. <laughs> uh, um, okay, but yeah, so that that'll be good. Um, Omega Ishii, I mean, even even the biggest Omega Grump, I think, will tell you that, like, his matches with Ishii are usually pretty awesome. So yeah. that will probably be good. And Omega Ibushi, I mean, that's that's going to be one of those matches where it could be... I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way where it could be good. It probably will be really good. So I can't... If they just, like, go way too crazy, maybe. But, but Kota Ibushi could do crazy and pull it off, so... Yeah. I'm sure the two of them will pull off a really good match anyway. So oh. the rest of his tournament will probably be pretty good. I mean, the, yeah. the question mark to me is the Zach match. But after that, I think his last three matches will be good. 
So even even a big big fat omega hater like me will tell you that we'll probably be back on the air here next weekend telling telling you about a great match for ACA. So uh, all right, the last A block show. All right, the last show we're going to talk about was an A block show that was on this past yesterday, actually July thirtieth in Takamatsu. Um, I watched this after coming home from seeing the first two Sailor Moon movies in theaters. That is a shoot, folks. <laughs> so I did it on my Monday night. I was like, I'm going to go see. I, I just saw an opportunity to see two uh, mid-90s Japanese animated films for small girls and in, in their original intended format. And I was like, i got to do this. So. That's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty. It was awesome. I'm not even going to. I can make fun of myself for going, but I had a great time. So. And then your nightcap was a mediocre G1 show. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I, you know, I, there was some stuff here I enjoyed actually, but well, not the opener though. Uh, Toge Makabe and Bad <laughs> yeah, Bunny Get that one. Fale won in seven fifty one with the lariat with the uh, covering the chain. Moved to three and three. Dropped Makabe to two and four. What I don't understand is why has the story gone from like. When Red Shoes like flipped them off and disqualified Tom, even though he hadn't directly seen it, it felt like that the deal with them was going to be like, okay, well they can't get away with their shit anymore. That yeah. was at Corkin like over a week ago, and and then Red Shoes and uh, Marty Asami are just back to just being dopes again. It's yeah, like, just like just back to letting them get away with everything. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the idea is I think Marty Asami's called all their matches since then. So maybe like just Marty's a bad referee, but there's still a stupid story. Like why are you? You're bearing your ref then. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, this was terrible. I don't really have to spend any time on it. It fucking sucked. Yeah. I was, I was hoping by this point it would like end up like playing off of the, the refs getting thrown around and bumping. Cause I swear Marty Asami has taken some of the hardest bumps of this tour. <laughs> yeah. He's had a rough tour and I just, it's, I've heard other people point this out in the past about how much of a joke the New Japan refs are made of, uh, or made to be rather. And with this tournament, like I, I never really saw it. Like it's just wrestling, so I, sometimes the refs get pushed around or not really acknowledged. But it's just so glaring on this tour and with these matches that, like, I, I don't know what they're doing. But I hope they're building to something where like the refs like go on strike to OG <laughs> or something or immediately to disqualify them at like the, the site of a, one of their teammates coming up on the apron or something like that. Or yeah. there's gotta be some type of payoff. Like they can't just be ruining the referees reputations <laughs> for yeah. nothing, but yeah, uh, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> the next match is Jay white against hangman page. Uh, Jay white got the pen of 17, 10 with the blade runner. Moving him to four and two and dropping poor Hangman to one and five. Uh, I thought this was awesome, actually. I was really into this. Um, Jay White, he did like early on, he did like two backdrops or like Saito suplexes that looked really brutal. Uh, one on the floor and then one on the apron. And they they did follow up on that, like with uh, working over the back, which was cool. So, and I thought Paige's selling was really good. The, you know, the crowd wasn't into it at all early on. And I was enjoying it, even though the crowd seemed to disagree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Paige then wasn't able to hit his like buckshot lariat thing because his back hurts. That was good. Then he hit it right after perfectly, which was not as good. <laughs> I was like, this that to me is like the big flaw of in a way of just a modern wrestling where it's like I have to do my moves no matter what. And it's like just 
you know, just don't do your buckshot Larry in this match. I mean, it would have made more sense. And then it pays that. off in the end. <laughs> like yeah. it really does. If you it, could see stuff. Yeah. Um, he did also get his picture perfect moonsault off the top of the floor, but at least he did remember to grab his back and say like, Oh, so that was yeah, good. he really sold it on the floor once he landed, but yeah, yeah. Like, to succumb like all of your might and like will up to the top rope to do a top rope moonsault when your back is just apparently in so much pain. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, ulterior ways to like yeah. point across, but yeah. The crowd did really get into this after that. Um, like in Jay, like the way he pushed him off the top rope and on the apron looked really brutal. And, you know, Paige, he did the same spot from Strong Style Evolve where he counted the Blade Runner by spitting. Yeah. Um, and then he really got back into the back selling after the apron spot, which was good. And, you know, I just, you know, it, it kind of didn't really play into the finish, but it was a cool spot where Paige like hesitated when he was about to use a chair and decide against it. And then White like hits a low blow on him. You know, it's like, well, you wouldn't cheat, but I did. And then hits the Blade Runner for the pen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went four stars on it in the end. I thought, you know, they succeed in winning over a dead crowd, which I always. Like anytime two guys go out there with a, a crowd that's dead, they're completely dead at the start, just not into it at all, and get them really into it by the end. In my head, I think I always give bonus points for that because it's like, yeah, you, you won over like you were the crowd did not care about you when you came out, and you just won them over by like force of your ring work and your story. So that that should count for something. Yeah, and that's, um, that's they're two for two with that. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, really they, cool. They did that strong style of Bob too. Um, you know, I can't go any higher than four because of the inconsistent, inconsistent selling again. But I thought this was still really good. So, agreed. Yeah. Next match: Evil and Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki won in twelve thirteen with the Gut Style Power Driver that moved him to four and two and dropped Evil to four and two. Um, this was a. Uh, I was pretty disappointed by this. It was just a just a match. I thought like two and a half long. Yeah, I wanted. I I kind of wanted more out of Evil. I I I thought Suzuki was Suzuki as he always is, but I I, I didn't think Evil kind of rose up to the occasion of wrestling Minoru Suzuki in a singles match. Yeah, he just kind of um, like went through the motions. It felt like. Yeah, but you know, match three on the second half of the card, it's uh, mm-hmm. kind of in the dead spot unless you're Ichi and Ibushi. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, it's, it's in Takamatsu also again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Middle of the uh, week. Yeah. A block. Yep. You think Evil would learn by now not to do his like elaborate throat slash taunt to Minoru Suzuki? Like, <laughs> he tried to do that before, and like Minoru did the same thing where he grabbed the fingers on him, but apparently he hasn't learned it yet because he did the same thing. <laughs> you know what? And I, I bet he never does. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, the next match, this is the one where I think I was higher than a lot of the people. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, Tanahashi defeating Yoshihashi in twelve thirty six with a rolling cradle moved him to five and one and moved Yoshi to five to one and five. Not not five one. He wishes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this it took a little bit to get going. But when it got going, like the closing like last few minutes or last five minutes even, were just really good. Um, like it, it's not really a closing stretch because I felt like you know it was almost half the match probably because it wasn't that long of a match. Yeah. And it was like everything from when Yoshiazi hit his swanton. Like the crowd was really into it. You're really behind Yoshi and you, you could feel it and you really want him to win. And, you, you know, Yoshi, like, 
he flipped the script on Tanahashi, just beating him down to hit it, like move after move and just had him down. And like, it felt like he went from the underdog to the aggressor, but then he got a little too over aggressive. And Tanahashi, the crafty veteran, just like rolls him up in his cradle. One, two, three. I, I saw some people say they thought it ended like right before it got good. I thought that was the perfect finish. Like, I thought that was like exactly what should have happened there, where, you know, Tanahashi's old. He maybe he's just, he's not in peak condition anymore, but he still has his fucking tricks up his sleeve. And this, you know, Yoshihashi, you know, he, just when Yoshi, like, fi- something finally feels like it's going right for him, and he has the legend down, that's when Tanahashi pulls it out, out of it, you know, pulls the rabbit out of his hat. I thought that was a perfect finish. I went four stars on this. I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, the last two outings for Yoshihashi really, well, actually three, because it's a, the previous one was his really good match with uh, Michael Elgin where he got picked up the win. But then he, he comes into matches against arguably the two biggest stars in modern-day New Japan history and has really good matches. Um, I I, I kind of thought this was almost like a compressed, like minus the, the roll-up finish, I thought it was a compressed kind of version of the Yoshihashi-Okada match. Yeah. Just with the crowd behind him and uh, wrestling like – one of the top guys and um, yeah, I, I thought that the roll up finish just kind of heroic, like Tanahashi, just not really wanting to fuck around anymore. And he just, <laughs> he was getting tired. It's middle of the tour. Let's roll him up and just get this over with and go to the yeah. back by two points. You know, like he had, his, he had his little trick. He saved it. And Yoshi just would look like Yoshi had him down. He just pulls it out of his hat. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was a good one. Uh, the main event, Kazuchika Okada defeating Michael Elgin in 2056 for the Rainmaker. Uh, that moved Okada to 4-2 and two and dropped Elgin to 2-4. and four. Uh, There's another one where I'm probably going to be lower than a lot of other people. Um, it was very early. I didn't like it at all, especially in the early middle. I thought it was very boring. Um, the Also, the war going for finishers, like extra early for no reason spot, looked like I thought even dumber than usual because Okada... Like, I, I hate that spot, by the way. Like, why, if you're a professional wrestler, why would you think you're going to be able to hit your finisher, like, a minute in? Yeah. But I guess Goto actually did hit his on Yano. But that was something, <laughs> that was cool, I guess. It's the first time I can ever remember a guy going for the finisher three minutes in and hitting it. So, um, but yeah, Okada is just, like, this really, like, awful counter to the powerbomb with, like, a, a Rana, but, like, in slow motion. Uh, it wasn't yeah. very good. And the yeah, way Okada... Elgin, oh, those Ranas are always, like, kind of clunky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Elgin, maybe Michael Elgin shouldn't be taking her Karanas. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Okada, like, he also just, like... Elgin did this plancha to Okada. And Okada felt like he... It looked like he sold it by, like, making his O face or something. Like, it was... <laughs> might honestly be the face he makes when he, you know, busts a nut. Like it was very like just very bizarre. Um and let's hope another... he didn't. Let's let's <laughs> um there's another spot where Elgin like was supposed to catch him in midair, but like it doesn't really count as catching someone in midair when their leg hits the ground. Yeah. Uh, that could also be uh not not to come off or sound like an Elgin apologist, but uh that could be another play on his, his bicep actually being right. That could that's true, that could be. Um but yeah, I mean, I can understand why this got rave reviews in some circles because, like, if all you really care about is a hot finishing stretch and lots of reversals, which, you know, 
some people. I think that describes a lot of people, actually. This yeah. had a lot of both. I mean, yeah. this, it definitely had that. Um, but there was also like a, you know, the, the arm, and the arm drag counter off the Avalanche Splash Mountain. That was really cool. Has Elvin right. hit that move yet? He hit it once, right? Against somebody? And almost killed him. Yeah, okay. But I think Ishii was supposed to like reverse it and Rana him out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.